You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilifer. And we have a guest joining us again today. Hey, it's Michael May from Count Creepyhead. Thank you for joining us again, good sir. Uh, this is uh, episode 176. We are closing, our, closing out our month of video game horror with Silent Hill from 2006. Uh, it's two hours and five minutes, kind of a long one, but uh, it moves at a good clip. Directed by Christopher Gans, who we would know from Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, and a a version of Beauty and the Beast. Not the Disney live action, but another live action Beauty and the Beast. So uh, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this rather depressing video game horror. <laughs> uh, Mike, as you're our guest, it's customary we start with you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I went looking for that version of Beauty and the Beast and I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he uh, He's a French director. Mm-hmm. And I knew him from Brotherhood of the Wolf, Same. which uh, I wasn't on that bandwagon when it came out. I like the concept, but oh, little... dude, Th- thank God. I felt like I was so alone in this. Every time I tell people I'm not a fan, people are like, oh. yeah, I loved it. Like, do you ever hear people like clamoring for merchandise or T-shirts or right. any of that? No, <sighs> it, it's... it's not a good movie. <laughs> It's a movie where they dress a lion up as a wolf and there's kung fu. It's just freaking weird. I don't hate it, but like I've never desired to watch it again. Same. <clears throat> Having said that, uh, Silent Hill is really, 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 really good. Yeah. Um, I have very, like all my complaints are nitpicks that mm-hmm. don't really take away from the movie. I think it's awesome. And uh, I don't want to say if it's the best video game movie ever, because that's debatable with other stuff. But it's definitely the best horror video game movie of all time. I don't think you could find anything that touches it. I I totally agree on that. Um, The only point of reference I don't have is I've never played the game. Oh, okay. I don't know how faithful it is to aspects of the video game. I could definitely tell that they're like, these are elements of the game that we've inserted into this narrative, but I don't know how faithful that narrative is to uh, the Silent Hill games. You played them, so you would know, and you can let us know. Oh, yeah. No, I'll definitely um, touch on that. But it worked. It made a damn good horror movie. Um, so I have uh, zero complaints. And uh, do you guys want my traumatic story? Yeah, let's, uh, let, let's find out, because you, you'd hinted at that before. So we'll we'll find out here. Here's a new segment on uh, Boogeyman's Closet called Therapy Time, <laughs> where I sit on a couch and uh, nervously eat Starburst and tell Mike about my horrible life. So, in April of 2006, when this was released, I the day it came out, so the Friday that it came out, which I have this ready to go, April 21st, 2006, uh, I found out that my long-term girlfriend at the time was cheating on me. Oh, so hopefully you didn't hear me snort there. I'm congested. <laughs> no worries. What happened 
was I'm in my 2006, I'm in my mid-20s, up into, uh, I had problems meeting girls because I didn't drink and mm-hmm. I didn't do drugs. So a little known fact about me is I'm a teetotaler. But back then they would say you're a straight edge. Yep. Um, I'm not going to get into my reasons for not drinking and doing drugs because that's a, a long side tangent. But um, what that did is I unknowingly kind of set myself up for uh predatory women so i had gone a good three years without having a single date talking to anybody because it was really hard for me to meet anybody because everybody just went to the bars and if you told me you didn't drink or you didn't do you didn't smoke pot or pick your drug they don't want to give you the time of day um yeah it's stupid i get it but it, it is what it is and i didn't realize it was making me look very outwardly lonely and I kind of regressed into my weird hobbies and I fell prey to a predatory woman by uh, the name of Katie. And almost immediately, I, uh, I, I at this point, I didn't have a good ever have a good relationship with a woman. So I didn't have any kind of frame of reference of like, this is what a healthy relationship was. I ended up in a relationship that was me spending money to keep her happy. Ah, uh, OK. One of those relationships. Um, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So lots of me blowing cash on expensive anime kind of stuff. She was one of those girls. Mm. And, uh, right before when we broke up, she, uh, decided that she wanted to go back to college. Katie wasn't a fan of keeping a job. So, uh, she lived with me, didn't work. And whatever money I ended up making, she blew on her anime and all of her dumb shit like that. I paid for her to go back to Buff State. I paid for all of her artist equipment, bought our new computer, and paid uh, two semesters worth of tuition with money I didn't have. And uh, I was over 5000 in the hole to help her get to school. And I could sense things were falling apart. So in my idiot brain, I thought it'd be a great idea if I bought an engagement ring. Oh, if you can see where this is going. So, like, I have no idea what a healthy relationship is, and I'm trying to keep the relationship going. Mm-hmm. I have an engagement ring in my pocket. I drive to Buffalo from Rochester to see her. And I find her and she's covered in hickeys. Oh, and I was like, oh, shit. So. The day I pick up the engagement ring is the day that I find out she's cheating on me. And it's also the day that I realized that, like, it kind of all came crashing down where I was like, I've been an idiot. And this was just, like, abundantly. It took me years to really kind of get the weight of it. Anyways, long story short, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was having, like, a breakdown because I was like, oh, my God, I'm horribly in debt. Uh, I thought I, I loved her. So I went to the movies. I had a friend that worked at an AMC. And I just watched Silent Hill over and over and over the entire day oh, like man. the time i had left i don't know why i i just didn't know what else to do right like, most people would drown their sour sorrows in like a bottle of whiskey do something and i was just like i need to watch a horror movie there was no other horror movies at the theaters at the time except for hard candy mm-hmm. which didn't seem right so i i just watched pyramid head rip women's skin off <clears throat> over and over and over again right so i haven't watched 
Silent Hill because every time I think of it, I think of that moment where I was like, got life kicked me in the nuts really hard. Uh, so having said all that, uh, I hope every morning that you wake up, Katie, you step on a Lego. I hope every time you fart, you shit your pants. And I hope at some point in your life, some sort of wild animal mauls your face. A bear, <laughs> a beaver, like a squirrel, a pigeon. I'd love for you to be on like some sort of TLC TV show <laughs> where they like they try to give you facial reconstructive surgery because a, a pigeon pecked off half your face. But they take the skin from her butt. Yes, I, I hope they take the skin from your gross hairy ass <laughs> grafted onto your face. You dirty horse face monster. <laughs> I'm not bitter, I swear. I mean, to be fair with the uh, the whole watching Silent Hill because you didn't know what else to do, like, you know, our our hobbies tend to be our comfort. So it makes sense that, you know, <clears> the first <throat> thing you'd want to do is be like, all right, I need to watch a horror movie because, again, it brings some peace. Yeah. Weird so movie to, to give me <laughs> comfort. I, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely is a very depressing movie. But at the same time, it's like. I totally understand where you're coming from, because like a lot of times when I'm like really upset or depressed or have been throughout my life, it's like, you know, comic books, video games and horror movies have been a lot of my go to because it's like uh, comfort, you know. Yep. So, I mean, that, that sucks, though, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, fun fact. Jewelers won't take rings back after you buy them. Oh, that sucks. Uh, so you have to find other avenues to sell them. Or they'll buy them at a hilarious discount. Um, just, yeah, you know what? I'm older now. I was an idiot. I'm much better off. Um, if it wasn't for all this, I wouldn't have met my, my lovely wife, had my daughter. Everything yep. happens for a reason or something like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, this kind of plays back into something we were saying a while ago, where don't let your hobbies define you. Yeah. Um, don't look for somebody who's exactly into the same stuff you are. You're fine the way you are. Just be careful because you can get preyed upon by uh, people who want to make you think that you have to spend money to make them happy. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Some evil ass people. Don't be that person who uh, gets exploited because they're lonely. Um, you know, you should be exploited because you're you're damn sexy right maurice <laughs> you got it like you got it it's okay if you're taken advantage of because you're uh, a piece of man meat that that's one thing <laughs> but uh don't let them take advantage of you because of your deep pockets or just because you're lonely you don't know any better yeah um yeah that's all I, I could keep going but it just just takes away from the movie um yeah well Pigeon. i i feel Bees, like <laughs> a bear on a like a, a real yeah like a cocaine bear the bees uh what if like a plane's flying by and somebody throws acid out oh, the yeah. window of the plane and or it just hits her in the face they they flush the uh the toilet and frozen shards of poo water yes like, fall down on her yes exactly frozen <laughs> shit <laughs> i hope a big space raisin just crushes you Space raisin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 
Well, you know, not to not to linger in in this, but uh, I feel like all three of us can relate to this story in one way or another with some of our experiences. But yeah, just you know, for for any for any young listeners, you're, you're gonna unfortunately go through some shitty times because of horrible people. Yeah, and, it's uh, just try to it, move past it. It's a rite of passage, I think, for nerds in your dating life, unless you get really lucky and you find the right person right up front. Uh, you're going to get taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. Uh, when people try to pull you inside, pull you aside and tell you that you're being taken advantage of, they're not trying to ruin your life. They've just been through it and they're trying to warn you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to help. Uh, don't be that person. It sucks. It's not going to end well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. Hey, you know, there's a movie about this place called Silent Hill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, let's keep on rocking and rolling here with that. So, Maurice, we're going to toss it over to you. What are your thoughts on this movie? I like this movie. Um, I haven't seen it since it first came out. And to be completely honest, when it first came out, I, I, it was, I wasn't really watching it. Like, I wasn't paying attention to it. So, mm-hmm. I never, you know, realized how good it was after watching it now. Um yeah, the CGI looks bad and it hasn't dated well, but it's really creepy and you know it's uh, it is very emotional. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. No, the story is heart wrenching. Yeah, <laughs> it, it well, kind of plays on a, a horror trope that it doesn't get played on a lot. Of the, you think you're doing the right thing, but you've actually done something so evil. Mm-hmm. you've made evil yeah you've made your own enemy yeah um i think the last movie i saw that did the same thing was diary a diary of a jane doe i haven't seen uh, that. had the same theme um it's about two morticians that are doing an autopsy on a woman they figure out that she is uh a witch a salem witch and her body hasn't aged in 400 years or whatever but then they realize that she was innocent. There's a whole bunch to the story, but um, by you know burning her at the stake and sacrificing her, she made a deal with the devil to become a witch because she was so pissed. Gotcha. Um, she did nothing wrong, but uh, their evil acts let the evil in, which well, is a, a background theme of the movie. Kind of like uh, Paranorman as well. Yeah. So. But uh, Maurice, what did you think of the music? Because this is actually all all video game music. It's all the music for, composed for the video game series. Oh, see, I never played the video game, so. No, I know, but I, I was just curious how it landed on you because. Uh, oh, you know, like, I, it was it was good. Yeah, because I I always liked the music in the Silent Hill games. I found it very like you know eerie and lonely feeling, and uh, which mm-hmm. fits the aesthetic perfectly. I mean, obviously there's Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash, but everything else in the film is is based on the video game soundtracks which are are really really good songs i think everything had ring of fire back then in oh, it yeah. somewhere yeah it was just you know it was soon after johnny cash passed away and i think a lot of people were feeling you know like nostalgic for him and he had just released that um oh what is what was his cover uh collection Her? called yeah but there was a collection of them he it was i think it was like it was something music i think it was volume four that hurt was on that was the last one he released um but like he did a bunch of like, you know, 90 songs and different covers. And yeah, I remember when that album first came out, like I still can't hear <laughs> his version of Hurt and not cry like a 
like a little bitch with a skin knee. <laughs> like I just start bawling every yep. time. I was like, oh, it's such a, I mean, even Trent Reznor was like, no, he owns that song now. It's his, <laughs> you know, that's, that's Johnny Cash's song. It's like, yeah, when, when you one up Trent on, on a, a sad, depressing song, you know, you got something. Well, honestly, like that's kind of an honor, you know, if Johnny Cash steals your music. Yeah. Let him have it. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, so, so you have, you, Maurice, have you seen the sequel to this? I don't think so. I heard it was bad though. I'm I'm really curious because like Mike, you you said you didn't see it either, right? No, like I I had this vague memory. I was like, wait, there's more. Yeah. And I looked into it. It was one of those movies that just came out, and like I never thought of it. It's see, I'm I'm one of I'm odd man out on uh, on not only having seen it, but I'm odd man out in most horror circles with actually liking it. Um, a lot of people complain that it doesn't make sense with the first movie, and they're partially right. There's at least one like linchpin of the story for part two that you kind of have to like, you know, do a little hand waving, like, okay, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know? So, um, but overall it, it does make sense. If you, if you play the games and watch the movies, it's like, okay, there is some very bad acting in part two, which is unfortunate. Um, and unlike this movie, like this movie, the effects were 99% practical. And just CG enhanced. Obviously, the little bugs are CG. Mm-hmm. Um, the the you know the world melting away to the other world is CG. <clears throat> but like the the monster effects, they're all practical uh, with just CG enhancement. In part two, a lot of the monster stuff is CG, and it's not great CG. Um, there's one really creepy uh, spider creature made out of mannequin parts that it looks cool, but it didn't age well <laughs> because it's it's CG. So, so I won't, I won't talk too much about the sequel, but there are a few points that I'll, I'll mention ties into the sequel. Um, but overall, Maurice, you said you're a fan, right? Yeah. And I love the design of pump up uh, pumpkin head. Oh, Jesus. Pyramid head. Oh yeah. Pyramid head is man. We could go into an entire podcast worth of discussion about what pyramid head means. Um, especially from his origins, but, uh, he's only in the second game. No, 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 he does. He does show up because of executive order in other games, but he was designed specifically for the second game. Um, And it makes sense for him to be in the second game for him to be in this film and uh, part five. And I forget what other I know he's in the second film as well. He's in a couple Silent Hill games. Um, It doesn't make sense there because. Well, it's quick, quick, quick rundown in Silent Hill. The horrors that you face are a manifestation, a manifestation of your own problems. So like whatever you're feeling, your fears, your angers, your anxieties, those, the creatures that appear are going to be a manifestation of what you feel. So So I would get chased around by my troglodyte ex-girlfriend. Probably some form of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the second game, I God, I'm forgetting the names of the characters, but the main character, I think his name is Harry. Um, he is going to Silent Hill to search for his wife, who is dead, but he receives a letter from her telling him to meet her at Silent Hill, where they had they had this vacation, this very important part of their lives in Silent Hill. Um, so he's confused. He goes there trying to figure out, like, what the hell is this? How can this be? You know, it's in her handwriting. So he goes there. He starts searching through Silent Hill. There's a lot of the creatures in Silent Hill are very, like, 
sexualized or very um, like toxic masculinity versions. Like, and it's all about Harry's anger and sexual frustration. And we find out as the game unravels that like, you know, his wife died and he was angry at her. He was angry that she left him. He was, you know, frustrated that he still wanted to have sex with other women. And like all of these feelings of guilt and anger, like were manifesting as these creatures. So Red Pyramid, as he's known in Silent Hell, uh, Silent Hell 2, or Pyramid Head, um, there's a lot of phallic imagery with him, and he's he molests some of the other creatures in Silent Hill, which are faceless female forms. Um, there's a lot of really disturbing things about Silent Hill 2 in particular. Uh, Silent Hill 3 is all about motherhood and uh, a, a woman going from girlhood to womanhood, so there's a lot of, like, menstruation visualizations and you know horrors of childbirth and all that so and I another thing there was a part three. Oh yeah there's oh, only, no no there's like part, five or six part, right part two, in the game in the game oh the game i thought you were talking about yes. movies no 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 there is going to be a part three well technically a reboot but that's um, coming along something that, that kind of carries over in a lot of the games is you it's not like a resident evil where you have like a shotgun and a flamethrower like you have a flashlight yeah okay. um you have you do have a flashlight and and uh the thing is that in every Silent Hill, you basically play like, you know, John Everyman type of thing mm -hmm. where it's like, like, OK, if, if the, any of the three of us were thrust into a situation where you had a handgun or a baseball bat with a nail in it, which one do you think you're going to be more effective with immediately picking up? Baseball bat. Exactly. Yeah. The, the average person is going to be more effective swinging a baseball bat than knowing how to fire and reload and, and aim a gun and all that. Now, not to say that there aren't plenty of people out there that would know perfectly how to use that. I'm just saying the average person. So that's kind of a common thread in the games is you end up using stuff like a rusty pipe, which we see in the movie. A lot of the characters are using rusty pipes, which is a nod to the game. Uh, board with an L in it, baseball bat, stuff like that. Um, you do get guns, but your character is usually not the best shot. <laughs> so they're kind of like, yeah, you get them, but they're not great. <laughs> Um, except for part five, part five, you play a, uh, ex-military guy. He's, um, it's homecoming, which I will argue is one of the most disturbing stories in the games. But, um, and that also deals a lot with the cult that we see in this movie. Um, but yeah, in homecoming, since your character knows how to fight, they up the ante with the enemies and the enemies are annoyingly difficult. Like every previous Silent Hill, they're like jittery and slow moving and, you can kind of run away from them if you have to fight. You can kind of deke them out a little easier. In part five, they send tons of them at you, and they're mean. <laughs> and they're very strong. So, uh, But again, the creature designs in every one of these games are disturbing and fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. I really like this film. And uh, I feel like even though it doesn't... It doesn't translate the first game perfectly. It, it takes elements from like Silent Hill 1, Silent Hill 2 and 3, Silent Hill Origins. Like there's elements from all these different video games that came out before the film. But there are literal shot for shots. Like there are scenes that are straight out of the first game. Um, where if you do a side by side comparison, it's like, holy shit, like they they choreographed that perfectly. Um, so I really did appreciate seeing some of that as, you know, a fan of the games. Could you bring those up, you know, as we cross them? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, 
it, it really is an interesting film, and they they did something. And I know I ta- I've taken a lot of flack for this over the years. I have argued that the Watchmen film did something better than the comic book, which is I feel the ending. The ending to the Watchmen movie, I think, is a lot better than weird space monster ending from the comic book. I feel the same way about this movie, where a lot of the Silent Hill video game stories are convoluted and kind of all over the place. And this this film tightens the story up and makes it make sense. And I really appreciate that. It's it's just the the guy who made this, uh, Christopher Gans, like he he basically lobbied Konami for five years to get the rights to make this. Uh, he shot scenes, you know, he on his own, like with his own money, um, trying to do like side by side comparisons with the game to show them like, hey, I'm a fan. Let me make this movie. And he finally, you know, got the rights to do it. So he he didn't fuck it up like he he's definitely a fan of the games and he really stayed true to him. So definitely appreciate that, especially uh, when wish he got to it. make some Resident Evils. I was just going to say, especially when you compare it, compare it to Resident Evil. Um, which I will say, we, we you said at the top that uh, you think this is one of the best uh, horror adaptations of a video game. And while I totally agree, I think coming close, like nipping at its heels, is Welcome to Raccoon City. Because they they really did combine Resident Evil 1 and 2 into a uh, cohesive story for the movie. Yeah. And so I, I, did, I did like that. But uh, let's, let's hop into the, the cast here. So uh, we have Rose De Silva, played by Rada Mitchell. We would know her from Pitch Black, Phone Booth, Man on Fire, Surrogates. We saw her in The Crazies. And, of course, she's in Silent Hill Revelation. Is she still uh, the, doing stuff, or is she kind of, like, aged out? No, I think I, I looked on her IMDb. I think she still has some projects going. A lot of, a lot of like, television stuff and, like, drama movies and things like that. Um, then we have Christopher De Silva, played by Sean Bean. And surprisingly, this is a movie he does not die in. What about the sequel? No, no, he doesn't die in that Whoa. either. <laughs> I know, right? He lives. But uh, GoldenEye, The Lord of the Rings films, National Treasure, Black Death, which, <laughs> oof, that's a fucked up movie. Um, Death Race 2, Game of Thrones, and, of course, Silent Hill Revelation. Uh, Sybil, Ble- uh, Sybil Bennett, played by Laurie Holden. Murder, she wrote, so we got one. Uh, <laughs> the X-Files, Fantastic Four, The Mist, The Walking Dead, and The Boys. Laurie Holden is that old that she was in Murder, She Wrote? Yep. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dahlia Gillespie, played by Deborah Kara Unger. She was in Crash, The Game, Payback, White Noise, and Silent Hill Revelation. Officer Thomas Gucci, played by Kim Coates. Uh, Innocent Blood, which is a horrible vampire movie, but I always mention it when I see it because I remember watching the hell out of really? it as a kid. You think Innocent Blood's bad? Oh, it's the acting is so bad. I love it. <laughs> I, now, love I mean, don't movie. get me wrong. I, I love the butt naked, hot vampire chick. <laughs> I love the effects. I love um, Don Rickles when he hits the sunlight. Yeah. Oh, it's great oh, effects. There, there are great moments, but... Watch it again critically and just 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 watch the acting. There's I forget the the one character's name, but like um, the the one guy named Sal gets killed, and the other guy goes Sal like the way he says it. <laughs> it every time I lose my shit laughing. I'm like, you couldn't have done a second take on that. Gabagoo, <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was also in Waterworld, Bad Boys, Battlefield Earth. Ooh. Uh, Skinwalkers, Smallville, Prison Break, Officer Down, which I would love to cover, and Sons of Anarchy. Then we have Christabella, played by Alice Krieg. 
I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, also Murder, She Wrote, Sleepwalkers, Star Trek First Contact, she's the Borg Queen, uh, Deadwood, Thor the Dark World, Gretel and Hansel, and recently Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Netflix one. When you see her, you're like, oh, it's her. <laughs> as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, it's the Borg lady. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this in the theater being like, oh, no, she's she's bad. She bad juju. She's never played a nice, good character. No. Never. She's she's always a horrible person. <laughs> um, we have Sharon slash Alessa, played by Judelle Ferland. Uh, she was in They, Carrie, Smallville, Dead Like Me, Kingdom Hospital, Tideland, uh, which is a weird fucking movie, Masters of Horror, The V Word, Cabin in the Woods, Paranorman, and Supernatural. Then finally, uh, Red Pyramid, he also is the janitor, um, which is the guy Colin. So he plays both the mutant janitor that we see and the original janitor. Uh, Roberto Campanella. He was in Silent Hill Revelations, It Chapter One, The Expanse, and Beauty and the Beast. So all of the people in the monster costumes are dancers. And the weird contortions that we see of the creatures, they're actually doing those. So when we get to the... Uh, the other janitor, the bound janitor, he actually is, is contorting his body that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it was very impressive, like uh, listening to the commentary track where they were talking about a lot of that and then looking it up and reading about it. It's like, damn, that I mean, it makes sense. You know, if you want people that can move really strangely, get contortionists and dancers. I mean, I, I, you know, it kind of crossed my mind, but there's so much going on in the scene that I just kind of absorbed it and didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, there's like the handful of like crazy walkie people that are super skinny and yep. they have no ligaments mm-hmm. uh, that have just made a living as like I'm the bone jangly man. In yeah, I was for- horror movie and I'm going to walk on my, you know, on all fours upside down. Mm hmm. I always forget his name, but the, the guy who plays uh, the jangly man in um, uh, Scary Stories, uh, he also is in Channel Zero and a couple other things. But he's yeah. like that that really crazy good contortionist. Uh, he's he's in the void as well. He's Mama. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's the the weird upside down like Cthulhu creature that comes out in the void and gets squished in the wall. Um, but yeah, he's he's like just watching him do his contortionist shtick is insane <laughs> like that guy I, I swear he has no bones he's like timmy yeah <laughs> good just, for him it's crazy <laughs> but um never lonely on a saturday night <laughs> <laughs> Zing. so basically the, the plot uh for anyone who hasn't seen this is uh a, a mother which is this is rose uh goes in search for her missing adopted daughter within the confines of a strange desolate town called silent hill so she loses her daughter and has to find her I mean, granted, she brought her daughter there, but that's beside the point. Um, So we open with Hill loosely based on Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yes, the the film version, yes, is absolutely loosely based on on Centralia, um, which I still am curious about. Like, I would love to just kind of go take pictures, but it also scares the hell out of me. It's gone. Well, it's still there. No, I mean, like, there's nothing to see anymore. Well, I know some of the buildings are still up. I was was just reading about it. Uh, Like. They like, condemned a lot of it. Yeah, the roads to and from. It, it's. I've been there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a letdown. Mm, gotcha. It has a smell, but if you're if you're thinking Silent Hill, 
you're not going to get it. Yeah. It's mostly like it's been paved over the bulk of the town. Ah, okay. That's like, because what I was just reading, they were saying that there's there's still a handful of buildings and houses and like a, a couple of holdouts still living there. Yeah, but I mean, for the most part, it's just been abandoned. Right. It's just, ugh, it's crazy. The concept of Centralia, awesome. Oh, yeah. The fact In that actuality, when you get there, though, you're like, I, I just drove 45 minutes out of the way for this. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> I I, I kind of wish that I uh, had it gone like soon after this film. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure that like tourism there peaked and there's a great documentary about it. Mm. Um, but I work out there for work all the time and it, it's just sort of a letdown. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, sucks. But uh, we open with Rose and her husband, Chris, in an all out panic searching for their daughter, Sharon. Uh, Christopher spots her off in the distance, away from the house, and Rose takes off to go after their daughter. I want to know how the fuck he saw her from that balcony. She's she's past the tree line, past the throughway, and standing on a cliff <clears throat> on the clearing behind it. I, I call bullshit. Yeah, th- not a good f- foot for this movie to start off on. Right. With the very cliched, like, where's our daughter? Oh, she's doing spooky kid shit on a cliff. Right. But, and yeah. But how did he see her, though? He was like, she's there. And then when we see like Rose following in her footsteps, like running through the forest, crossing the thruway, running through the tunnel, like it's like, well, how did he see her? I kind of always assume that she's done this many times. Yeah. That well, yeah, that they kind of they do say that. Um, but uh say so when she when Rose runs through the tunnel, uh there's graffiti that says Cheryl on the wall, and that's the kid's name in the video game. So that's Sharon's oh. name in the game. Um, just a little nod to the, to the game, uh, video game, but we see Sharon standing on the edge of a cliff, eyes fluttering as if in a trance, uh, over the edge of the cliff, we see the real world melt away, revealing the twisted other world, which will become a running theme in this film, uh, where we see a dark version of Sharon smiling back at her. Sharon says home and is about to fall when Rose tackles her to the ground. Sharon struggles to get free of her mother while she yells home, home, silent hill. And then Christopher gets there, and I love it. He almost gets hit by a green screen truck. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, this scene doesn't hold up very well. Like, when it first came out, <laughs> it was fine. But when you watch it now, it's really obvious that they just CG'd Sean Bean right. onto a road. <laughs> and it cracks me up because of how bad it is. But he makes his way to his family. Rose, t- Rose tells him she said it again, and he tells her we'll find a way past this. And we get our title card. Cut to Rose and Sharon in a field. Sharon is sitting under a tree drawing when her mom comes over and tells her about the special trip they're going on. Rose tells her that sometimes she sleepwalks and talks about a place called Silent Hill. So she's taking her there in hopes that they can find out why. Rose's phone rings and she silences it. Sharon asks, Daddy's not coming with us. And Rose tells her, no, it's just the two of us. This part bugs me so much. Like, just putting myself in Christopher's shoes. Like, knowing you have a sick kid and your wife and kid disappear and now you can't get a hold of them. Like just the thought of that, I was like freaking out. I'm like, yeah. Oh, it God, makes me I... very anxious. And yeah, <laughs> I, I had a joke that I never got a cool vacation for when I sleepwalk and eat breakfast, <laughs> but yeah, we should take you to the, uh, what is it? The Cheerio factory. And <laughs> we're going to take you to a big boy. Because you keep waking up in the middle of the night and biting into the sides of a cereal box to try to get it open. <laughs> Breakfast werewolf. But um, so Rose tells Sharon that uh, that their break is over and they head back to the car. 
they pass a sign that says blessed uh blessed parish ministries that says uh let me see here do you not know that we will judge angels? Do you not know that saints will judge the world? It's uh, Corinthians 6, 2 to 3. Now, we get a lot of Bible verses in this movie. Now, this whole thing, I, I was like, it can be taken a multitude, multitude of ways in the context of the film. Uh, in, in the Bible, the verse is actually talking about settling disputes within the church and not harming one another. So basically, the idea is like, you know, if you have an argument with your your fellow you know, Christian, like your fellow believer you know, work it out calmly and rationally. Do not fight amongst yourselves. So that's the, the whole, the rest of the chapter talks about that. Basically, you know, keep the peace, in other words. Did you However, know that or did you have to look it up? No, that that I knew, yeah. But what I'm saying is like in the context of the film, when you when you oh, look yeah. at it through through the lens of the film, it takes on another meaning. Because if, if you look at how the characters in the film judge the world, it's like, oh, you're your own downfall because you took that wrong. You're supposed to settle disputes peacefully, and you went violently. Yep, and, and this it is also about just, your own health. It sets the scene because if you ever visit, you know, down the Virginias, Pennsylvania, oh, the mountains, yeah. it's Bible City. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I remember uh, when I used to do the um, uh, Cincinnati Comic Con in Cincinnati, Kentucky. Um, we would drive down there, and man, we would pass so many of those types of signs. Like they're just they're everywhere. But uh, so we cut to Chris, Christopher at home, pacing back and forth, trying to call Rose, but no luck. Eventually, he checks her computer and sees she was researching Silent Hill and realizes exactly where she's going. And I love how the website looks like, you know, early, you know, or late 90s, early 2000s tripod websites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Silent Hill dot hot cities dot com. <laughs> <laughs> But back to Rose and Sharon on the road. They stop and get gas at a random rest stop. While Rose fills up the tank and Sharon sleeps in the back, we see Officer Sybil Bennett pull up on her motorcycle. Rose, you mean, no you, mean Officer, you mean Officer Mandora? Mandora? <clears throat> What's that from? From Thundercats. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, I don't know who that is. That's uh, getting a really expensive Super 7, by the way, with the oh, motorcycle. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know, but I watched this and I was like, you know, if they made another Terminator and they could go back then to Lori Holden. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, she would have been awesome. She could kill my parents anytime she wants. <laughs> Which weird side note uh, just about Terminator 2. It's funny you mentioned that because I just saw this the other day. I never knew that the um, the like gunshots on the T-1000 was practical. I didn't know that. I, I just assumed, oh, that must be CG. I, like, my whole life, I assumed that. And then I saw, like, how they created those. It's real and simple like, effect. Yeah, I'm like, son of a bitch. That's awesome. It's, there's, like, the behind the scenes from Stan Winston. There was a VHS back in the day that I used to have where they showed all of, like, the little uh, metal blossoms that would open up on his chest. Yeah, that's so freaking cool. See, that's and that's what I miss. I miss that about special effects because I'm guilty of doing this, too, where... You see a film and you just assume, oh, it's CGI, especially if there's CGI in it. You're like, oh, yeah, that's that's CGI. They did that with CGI. But, you know, then you look into it and it's like, holy shit, there's all these well, practical Now they'd effects. CGI, even if it costs 10 times, it would cost to just do the effect practically. Right. They'll CGI well, it. Unless, unless we're talking horror. Because, like, sci-fi and superheroes, absolutely, they'll just CGI the hell out of it. There's still some horror movies where they're like, okay, yeah, we did have to use some CGI to meet the deadline, but... 
you know, we tried to do practical where we could. And they, they still try to pull some practical effects in. Like, I know Barbarian tried to do that, where they're like, ah, we're going to pull as much practical as we can. Did you guys find it odd that there was a motorcycle cop at night? Yeah, a little bit. You know, they're usually, I, I honestly, I rarely have seen motorcycle cops in my entire life. Yeah, I've seen more cops on horses than I have cops on motorcycles. Yeah, but Mandora's used to being out in outer space, so nighttime's not bad. Well, that's true. Now we know that Maurice is a Thundercats expert. Oh yeah, no, no, Reese knows his Thundercats. (laughs) Um, Thundercats and Transformers. He 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 knows his shit. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, so Rose notices Sharon's sketch pad is now filled with eerie drawings. Uh, evil looking people breathing fire and surrounding a little girl, a creepy church, shadowy figures, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I used to think that like I see stuff like this in movies, mm-hmm. like the there's something wrong with my kid and they drew it. Yeah. And the adults are like, there's something wrong. It needs therapy. But Zoe draws creepy shit like this constantly. Oh, yeah. I, I did as a kid as well. She got a hold of some black chalk mm-hmm. and just pulled Mothman out of her ass <laughs> a little while ago. And I was like. If I didn't know that this is my child and this is just how she is, she'd be in therapy. Right. But she's just like, this is cool and creepy. Well, it, it's funny because uh, when I was, I, I took a creative writing course in college and um, we had this whole debate about like, you know, uh, nurture versus nature when it comes to violent behaviors and all that. And we were talking about like uh, media and, and you know, like video games and music and all that influencing uh, violent behavior and it was basically me versus the rest of the class like on the side of no i don't believe media creates violent behavior i do believe that people <laughs> who are already violent in nature could be influenced by media but i don't think that the average person who you know ingests violent content will suddenly become a violent person um and i brought this up as as one of the things where i was like as a kid i was always dry, drawing <laughs> monsters and creatures and disgusting horror scenes and all that and yet i've never harmed a fly like you know it's like i've always been a very calm person when it comes to i don't want to hurt anybody um you know and i grew up playing fucking doom and mortal Kombat and quake and listening to marilyn manson and nine inch nails and, no, it's, you know, it's, it's poor bullshit. parenting yeah exactly or it's, severe brain damage or or being constantly tormented yeah you know, Anyways. it's like eventually people will snap under those kind of conditions. But yeah, so I just always find that funny when people are like, oh, they're drawing something evil. There must be evil. And it's like, not always. Uh, you know me, like penises I've drawn on bathroom walls and I'm perfectly normal. <laughs> now <laughs> no, I'm thinking it's super bad. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the same thing, you know, listen to the Ozzy Osbourne record backwards or Black Sabbath album backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the like, it's it's the the satanic panic of the 80s it's all that bullshit how many gore shows i've been to and i haven't killed anybody yet you're full <laughs> of shit but have you pissed blood every morning <laughs> see because i heard when you go see guar you piss blood um i i, I can say it's not true <laughs> my first concert was guar nice. i did get blood on me yeah 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 and space come <laughs> I got hit with, um, you know, like you make homemade Play-Doh? Yeah. That recipe they had, they were throwing poop into the crowd, and it was homemade Play-Doh. That's amazing. So I got, you know, I was covered in blood, but then I got uh, hit in the head with, like, a homemade Play-Doh or whatever the hell you want to call it, turd. 
Plato turns. That's Pretty amazing. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sharon wakes up Rose and, and shows her the book, asking her why she changed her drawings. Sharon freaks out, wanting to know who did this to her drawings. Sybil overhears Sharon and watches suspiciously. Rose gets Sharon back into the car and goes to pay for the gas. I love the signs on this gas station slash like diner slash garage that says tattoo and body piercing. Where, where are they doing that? This greasy spoon diner garage. Come on. You've been to the super flea on Walden. <laughs> I don't remember body piercings and tattooing. They had tattoo parlor. They had, you can get your hair cut. They had that weird restaurant in the back that everybody was afraid to eat out of. And there's also the guy that sold produce that he stole from the dumpsters at Tops and Wegmans. I mean, you could probably <laughs> adopt a kid out of that thing. <laughs> oh, man, that's gross. <laughs> but so Rose asks the cashier how to get to Silent Hill, saying she can't find it on the map. The girl tells her that the roads don't go there anymore. Uh, then she also tells her that her card was declined. So we find out that Christopher cut off the credit cards. Uh, while this is going on, Sybil goes to ask Sharon how she's doing. And Sharon tells her that she's not supposed to talk to strangers and rolls up the window. Smart kid. Exactly. To quote Sharon. Or uh, Sybil, you mean. Sybil, sorry. Yeah. Um, but Christopher calls Rose and begs her to come back home, saying that they need to get Sharon medical treatment and she needs her medication. Rose tells him the med medication doesn't work and she's taking her to Silent Hill. She reminds him that the orphanage told them that Sharon was from West Virginia and Silent Hill is in West Virginia and to trust her on this. When Rose comes out, she finds Sybil circling the car like a vulture. She asks Rose if she needs any help and Rose tells her that they're fine. She hops in the car and takes off while Sybil makes a note of the license plate. So, Cut. oh good. I want to make a point. I'm going to make it now. And as you're watching this movie in your head, I want you to think about this. It's non-jokey. And I tried to look up the name for it and I couldn't find it, but I'm going to just say it's feminist. Uh, okay. Interactions of characters within movies where two female characters or more interacting mm -hmm. and they're not talking about men. They're just having female to female interactions. Oh, the Bechdel test. Okay. You've, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Bechdel test. This movie passes with flying colors. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of horror movies that actually do, but it's funny because they, they use horror movies as, like, the gold standard of, like, why this is necessary because of how many times you have women talking about men in horror movies. But they're only looking at, like, a handful of slasher movies where it's all about tits, blood, and murder. You know, they're not looking at actual, like, you know, other horror films, like the whole the genre as a whole is what I meant. Uh, they're just looking at like one aspect of it and saying, oh, see, it doesn't pass. And it's like, no, look at the rest. There's a whole bunch of them that don't deal with that. So, but yeah, I agree. This definitely passes the Bechdel test. <coughs> Good old um, tits, blood and murder. Exactly. <laughs> what was it? Murder, murder, death, blood. What did I call it? The murder, death, fuck. Something like that in brain scan <laughs> that I, I remember the abortionator, but I can't remember the others. But uh, anyway, so Sybil, uh, we cut to Sybil pulling over Rose and Sharon just outside of the exit for Silent Hill. But before Sybil can get to the car, Rose tells Sharon to hold on and they take off, causing Sybil to give chase. They speed toward the closed bridge leading into Silent Hill and crash through the gates. Suddenly, the radio goes all staticky and screechy, causing Sharon to scream in fear. Rose tries to turn it off while she's distracted. A little girl steps out into the road. 
Rose sees her at the last minute, swerves, swerves hard and crashes, knocking herself out. Now, that entire sequence, straight out of the fucking game. Because um, the, the in the first game, Harry and his daughter are not, is it Harry? I forget. I forget the character's name in the first game. Um, but they're going towards Silent Hill to go on vacation, uh, which is funny. It always seems to be this vacation spot, and then they end up in the other world. Um, but as they're going... It's a, like normal Silent Hill a fun place to be, or is it like, let's go to the town built on top of a burning tire fire? <clears throat> well, that, that's the thing. In the original game, like you didn't really know much about Silent Hill other than it was like a resort town. It had like a lake and a, an amusement okay. park and... All this rant, like it was just like a nice little town, but uh, yeah, then they never find that nice little town. They always find the abandoned, foggy, creepy version. Um, but Let's yeah, go so- to Murder Death Fuckville, USA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Home but of the-, the 32nd scoop of Baskin Robbins and the- Murder Death Fuck. And Murder Death Fuck. Um, but yeah, the, the scene where we see the girl walk out in front of the car and them swerve and get into an accident, that's right out of the first game. Cool. So, um, but we cut to Rose waking up in a gray, foggy morning. Her head is bleeding from the accident. She looks around and sees the passenger door is open and her daughter is gone. She rushes rushes out of the car calling for help and calling for Sharon. Uh, But she's very much alone. Ashes float down like snow all around her. I love this this visual. Uh, She touches the, the one that falls on her face and we see that it's ash. And then she looks over and sees the welcome to Silent Hill sign. It's like, it's just such a perfect shot. Oh, man. Uh, have you ever saw Swing Kids? Oh, yeah. The the scene in Swing, uh, Swing Kids where they think it's snowing, but it's human ash mm-hmm. from the uh, gas chambers. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. And it just gets dark really quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, this whole movie. <laughs> it, goes, it goes down a dark path. Um. So she heads off into town. Now, this again, this shot where she's heading into town and it's extremely foggy straight out of the game, like almost shot for shot. Um, the whole town is completely deserted and, and like I said, covered in fog. Rose eventually sees who she thinks is Sharon running across the street up ahead. She calls out to her daughter and runs after her. Uh, she follows Sharon down streets, alleyways, and eventually into a stairwell uh, that ha- like leads into the dark below. Again, all of this where she goes down to the stairwell straight out of the video game, including there there's, if you ha- have them side by side, like the air, the way that the camera pans up like to an aerial shot and you see like pipes in the, in the foreground, like all of that is straight out, like so much that it's like a straight up recreation of the sequences in the game. PlayStation one, right? Yep. Okay. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, Suddenly, we hear the air raid, air raid siren, and everything goes pitch black. Rose lights a lighter and looks around her. Everything is different, grimy, rusted, and wet. She hears Sharon call out in a whisper, Mommy, and she continues on. She makes her way through this chain-link maze and eventually runs into a crucified and gutted man hanging from the gate. His guts spilled out all over the ground. It's really disturbing that he's still alive. <laughs> now, again, that's straight out of the game, but the thing was not alive. <laughs> So that was like an extra added little. Um, She screams and staggers back right into our first monster, the gray child, which approaches from behind Uh, in the games. They're very different. They're like weird, twisted faced like children that have knives and they just start stabbing at you. It's really fucking terrifying the first time you encounter them. But I ain't gonna lie. The gray children in this scared the shit out of me the first time I saw them. Yeah, 
creepy as fuck. Some like something about kids in pain mm-hmm. and they're on fire mm-hmm. as a parent. I was like, no, nope. Yep. Oh, that don't like it. Get, scene we're gonna get to later. Like I have I have trouble watching it and not tearing up. Um, I, yeah, yeah the, it bothers me, but then it kind of comes back around at the end, and I'm like, okay. Oh, best best come up in a movie. I fucking love it. Oh God, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say the great child, uh, played by um, I forget, it's it's I think Yvonne, oh Yvonne Nig, I think it is something like that. She's a she again a dancer. Um, but I watched her doing like the walk with this suit on and like how she has to contort herself. It's it's impressive. Like the the stuff that these dancers did to make these monsters come to life is really fucking impressive. Um, but how they did this shot. It was just the one dancer and they filmed her walking in different directions and moving around and they they just kind of superimposed it all together. So it looks like a horde of the gray children coming after her. That's cool. Yeah. See, that's Uh, a good use for like CGI. Exactly. It's practical with the help. And that's the thing. The other uh, part that CGI is the the um, like charred, like burning coal effect on the on their skin Um, that all CGI. But the costume itself, totally practical. Yeah. Well, like. Hey, I appreciate that you didn't set her on fire. <laughs> right. We didn't have to do a burn stunt, so we didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the creature cries out and reaches for her as a ton of other great children approach from all around. Rose pushes past them and uh, they as they grab at her. You know, she makes her way into a nearby building. The creatures follow, screeching and crying and grabbing her. Rose screams and suddenly the creatures retreat and burn up into ash, disappearing. Rose passes out. She wakes up to the foggy daylight again and finds herself in an abandoned bowling alley while Ring of Fire plays on the jukebox. <laughs> so we get this a lot in both the games and the movies, the the transferring between the other world and then the foggy world. And it's now since the movie, they do the melt away because like that, that whole melt away sequence, the way that the world turns into like ash mm-hmm. that was made for the film. Um, but up until that point in the games, they didn't do that. They just the screen kind of went dark. And when it came back, it was, you know, the other world. So kind of like going from Grand Island to Niagara Falls. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so she heads back out into town, terrified and confused, runs down Main Street until we see uh, until she comes to an abrupt end where it looks like the world has just been cut off. Like it's a sheer drop into a void. That is also from the game. Suddenly, a raggedy old lady pops up behind her. This is Dahlia Gillespie. She tells Rose that only the Dark One opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Rose tries to talk to her and find out what the hell's going on. She tells her that her daughter Sharon is missing. And Dahlia tells her, we've all lost our children, our light. They deceived. They're evil. They're hate. They hurt my child. They did terrible things to her. Alessa. So this is the first, uh, first time that Rose hears the name Alessa, which will constantly come up throughout the movie. Uh, Rose shows Dahlia the locket, <clears throat> shows Dahlia her locket where she has a picture of Sharon. Dahlia freaks out, screaming that that's her child and tries to grab at the locket. Rose pushes her away and runs. Dahlia lays on the ground and ominously says, into the fire, she swallowed their hate. So, which that'll make more sense later. Yep. Uh, but we cut, cut to Christopher arriving at the gas station that Rose and Sharon went to the night before. He asks him how to get to Silent Hill and the mechanic tells him you don't. He then goes on to explain that there's a coal fire still burning underground in that town, 
And if you breathe enough of those fumes, you'll wind up dead. I thought it was hilarious that as he's saying that, he's putting a cigarette into his mouth. Yeah, that was on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that's totally intentional. <laughs> uh, I had a friend when I, I said that I was watching this made uh, a good point that Sean Bean and Kim Coase are just trying to chew scenery mm-hmm. and outact each other every time they're just seen together. Yep. Which is funny. Oh, when you watch it, it makes total sense. And they're they're both such good actors. Yes. Like, <laughs> they're really good. I don't think Kim Coates gets the accolades that Sean Bean gets, but uh, he's just as good in my opinion. Oh, totally agree. And, and like, and he definitely doesn't get the accolades he deserves, but he's one of those actors that's just always acting. Like he doesn't care if he's the lead role. He'll, he'll gladly just show up as like some random marauder. Like yeah. he showed up in fantasy Island as like one of the bad guys that's on screen for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, okay. I'll show up and shoot some guns. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Watch Waterworld. Exactly. He's, Greasy guy, number four. <laughs> as long as he's not the guy that's like, you ever hear of paper? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> but um, so Chris flashes some cash at the guy and asks again how to get there. So we cut to Rose making her way back to her car. She finds Sharon's drawings lying on the ground all around the car. And one of them is of the school and shows Sharon standing in the window. Rose gets in the car and tries to call Chris, but of course the phone is all staticky and goes to voicemail. Now, this is something I forgot to mention uh, about the game. When creatures are nearby, uh, any electronic device makes that like staticky sound. So in the game, you keep a radio with you and a flashlight, and once creatures are approaching, your your radio starts to get staticky. It's like an early warning sign. Um, so that's why they keep doing that in the in the movie. Are these? Games time consuming, or can I beat Silent Hill in like four hours? Um, they can be very time consuming, but if you know what you're doing and like you know the, the puzzles don't hang you up, yeah, you can probably beat it pretty quick. Okay. Um, I I would say uh, there 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 is a remake of Part Two coming out, so I would say wait for that one. Um, just because it looks pretty fucking rad, but uh, you can I think you can get a Silent Hill collection. Of I'll one, just wait two, and for three. the HD like the new ones because God, those remakes of everything lately have been so good. Oh, yeah. Don't whatever you do, do not buy the HD collection of Silent Hill because they remove a very crucial part of the game. Uh, The fog was originally put in the game to be like a uh, to kind of cover up the loading screens. Okay. so it was like because, you know, it's a big open world, but it was the limitations of the hardware at the time. They're like, well, yeah, we'll make it foggy. So when the person's running around the town, um, you know, it just looks creepy. Well, because they didn't need to do that on modern hardware when they did the HD collection, they removed the fog and it just looks like you're running around an abandoned town and it's stupid as hell. Okay. So (laughs) just word to the wise. Cause when I saw that, I went, Nope, I'm not buying that. Um, but anyway, so, uh, where was I? Yeah. So she, she tries to, to call Chris and leaves a voicemail telling him that she's in silent Hill and she made a mistake and that, you know, she should have never come there, but she needs his help. Um, but of course it's all staticky. So he's not going to get the message. How many times um, this happened with Teresa where she got something off of Facebook Marketplace and went to the wrong neighborhood? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's scary. But um, she gets off the phone and tries to start the car, but of course it won't work. While she's distracted with that, Sybil comes up from behind the car and drags her ass out, putting her in cuffs. Rose tries to explain that her daughter is missing uh, and she needs help, but Sybil isn't so sure that Rose didn't hurt Sharon herself. She tries to radio for backup, but of course she can't get through and it's nothing but static. So Sybil tells them they're walking back to the station in the neighboring town of Brahms. 
Uh, Rose, of course, protests, but to no avail. So we cut to Christopher listening to the extremely staticky message uh, that Rose left left him as he drives. He, he comes up to the bridge to Silent Hill where the cops are investigating. This is where we meet Officer Thomas Gucci. So <laughs> <laughs> Gucci, that's a fun name. Um, <clears throat> but he explains what's going on, how his wife and daughter are missing, blah, blah, blah. Gucci tells him that they found the car at the end of the bridge. It's empty, but there's no sign that anyone was hurt. Uh, Gucci explains he also has a missing officer, and if he knows her, she's out there trying to find Rose and Sharon. So back to Rose and Sybil arguing as they walk along. Uh, Sybil tells, there's a couple times that this story comes up, but Sybil tells Rose a story about how a few years prior, a guy snatched a kid from a rest stop and brought him to Silent Hill and dropped him into one of the mine vents, and that she, you know, she rescued the kid, but she's like, I never want to see that happen, you know, again. So she's this is why she doesn't trust Rose, because she's like, well, why were you coming up here with a kid? So it's like, all right, at least now it makes a little more sense why she was so uh, like hell bent on finding out what was going on with the two of them. Mm -hmm. But eventually they come to another section where the world is just cut away, just like the one we saw before. Sybil is in complete disbelief and Rose tries to tell her the whole place is cut off. But Sybil insists that they can find another way. They just got to find a working radio. So they keep moving. Suddenly, we see something staggering toward them through the fog. Sybil calls out to the uh, Sybil calls out to it, and the creature steps forward as both uh, Rose's radio and uh, Rose's phone and Sybil's radio begin to buzz. And uh, I fucking love how this thing looks. It's like it, it's it's like its arms and face are all like under weird skin, and it's just yeah. staggering. It's so cool. It's, it's like a straight jacket made of flesh. Um. But funny side note, apparently on set, when they put uh, put the guy in the costume, everyone thought it looked like he was under a condom because it was before the CGI effects of like the weird pulsating veins and all that. Mm -hmm. So he became known as Trojan Man on the set, <laughs> <laughs> which I oh, found man, that quite funny. He's a spokesman for Trojan condoms. <laughs> right. Trojan he just, Man. <laughs> he just comes out and starts hissing and spitting acid. <laughs> well, it's not going to be acid. Exactly. Well, depends on what you got. That's yeah, why you're that's wearing true. the condom. <laughs> oh, God. So Sybil tells the creature to stay back and it spews black acid on her, causing her to throw off her helmet and jacket and shoots the creature to death. Rose beats feet and gets the fuck out of there as more creatures approach. Uh, we get a quiet moment where Rose gets her gets the cuffs around her legs, which I'm glad they took the the moment to show us this. Because if they had to just cut from her having the cuffs behind her back to suddenly having them out in front of her, I would have been like, hey, wait a second. But yeah, we actually get a moment where she runs far enough away from Sybil, crouches down and scoots the cuffs around her butt and over her legs. And then she keeps on a running. So she makes her way across Silent Hill to the Midwich Elementary School, where she goes in to look for her daughter. Now, did you guys recognize the Midwich Elementary School? No. What am I looking no. for? Village of the Damned. Oh. That's the name of it, or is that the actual building? That's no, no, no. That's the name of it. Mid Midwich <laughs> oh. Elementary. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Little little village of the dam reference. So when she goes inside, we get we get another Bible quote: uh, "The foes of the righteous will be condemned." Uh, Psalm thirty four twenty one. So once again, we're we're seeing is the it, way. Is this that... your first glimpse at their weird symbol? It's like yes. on the floor of the school. Yep. The, it's like the the cross with like the the circle, and then like the broken kind of upside down cross part at the bottom is that in the games or is that just for the movie 
that's just for the movie. Okay. Uh, I think they brought it into the games later after the films, but there was always weird symbols from the the cult that started the town. Because as as the stories unfold, like you find out in every version of it, there's always some kind of town elders who did horrible things. Um, sometimes they're witch hunters. Other times they're like weird demon worshippers. They call it their god, and they you know resurrect these creatures. Um, but there's always some kind of cult. So. But yeah, so she goes into the into the school, pokes around, finds a set of keys and a flashlight. And suddenly behind her, we hear someone whisper Rose. So she goes off to investigate because, you know, it's a horror movie and that's what you do. And she's white. Yeah, of course. So she's she has, doesn't have to worry. She's going to live. But we cut to Officer Gucci and Christopher driving through a very normal, albeit abandoned, Silent Hill. Gucci is using loudspeaker loudspeaker on the car, calling out for Rose, explaining that they're there to help and take her to safety. Uh, while they drive, the two discuss the town. Gucci explains that the coal fire is still burning and uh, tells him that how his father died in the coal fire. You know, he points out a barbershop. He's like, that used to be my dad's. Uh, we find out that Gucci grew, Gucci grew up in Silent Hill. He tells Chris that these were good people who lost everything in that fire. And then cryptically adds, well, most of them. Some of them, some of them you might say deserved it. It's like, ah, what happened in Silent Hill? <laughs> so, but back to Rose in the school. She hears a thumping nearby and goes to investigate. And we hear a ghostly voice say, run, as three men in minor suits and gas masks holding pipes in a canary cage come down the hall. Like, the first time, the first time I saw these guys, I, it just, I didn't know what the fuck I was looking at. Because the, the minor suits look like they're... <laughs> They got like weird netting and shit all over them. Yeah, like they're Mad Max miners. But I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of conf- I, I am, and I'm not like confused about like, the people trapped in Silent Hill. Are they trapped in time, and it's been hundreds of years for them, or is it real time? And I, they built all of that out of garbage. I think that's kind of where we're where, what we should be getting from that is that they're they've been trapped here for thirty years. And uh, they've just been scavenging all this time. Yeah, it, it it's cool. It, yeah. So, you know, Rose Rose sees that and takes off through the courtyard to another section of the school. She finds herself in a classroom where she sees a desk with two child-sized handprints on top of it in the dust. In the handprints, we see the word witch carved into the wood. Rose opens the desk and finds a book with the student's name, Alessa Gillespie. Uh, we get on a... my desk, there'd be dicks on it if it was my desk. So <laughs> I'm cool like that. Lots of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have gotten detention for drawing dicks on a desk in high school. Um, <laughs> I remember the teacher being like, <laughs> laughing at me, and I thought I wasn't in trouble. And he was like, you have detention for a week, shithead. <laughs> That's great. Oh my god! All the dick drawing in high school. I I, I can honestly say I never drew a a dick on anything, uh, in high school like other than a piece of paper, like you know goofing around. Uh, however, because I'm a nerd, uh, you know my type of vandalism was in one of our art rooms. It was my actually my um advertising design art room. Uh, when no one was in there and I had the room to myself because I, I got the teacher's permission to use that as a study hall and work on my projects. Mm-hmm. I, I drew a fucking Boba Fett helmet on the wall <laughs> because I'm a nerd. That's pretty badass. <laughs> I was like, I do. And it was tiny, too. It was this little tiny Boba Fett helmet on the wall. 
I um so. I drew a it was like a disheveled, cracked out prostitute mm-hmm. with short shorts and like balls hanging <laughs> out one side of the short shorts, and it was like you didn't know what it was, like what gender, anything. It was just this gross, right? Disheveled. Like I remember, I I love making everything uh, not symmetrical. So I had like a ball GI on one end and not the other. <laughs> and I remember I got like in a lot of trouble. And then, uh, you know, you're in detention and be like, well, what are you here for? Like I got in a fight, I skipped class. And it's like, yeah, I drew this ball sack thing. <laughs> I drew a ball sack monster. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> I love it. Um, we, mo- we get a momentary flashback where we see students yelling and throwing papers at Alessa, screaming, burn the witch. Rose suddenly sees who she thinks is Sharon, run past the room and chases after her. She goes further and further into the school, up the stairs, eventually uh, winding up in a large bathroom where we hear a little girl crying. She proceeds to open the stalls looking for the little girl. Then when she gets to the one where she thinks the little girl's hiding, we find a dead janitor named Colin. Twisted and bound with barbed wire, suspended over the toilet. Man, I don't know what he ate the night before, but holy shit. <laughs> and, and broke his fucking legs. What, what kind of mighty taco makes you shit barbed wire? <laughs> <laughs> and he was hovering from it, too. Um, but above him on the wall, painted uh, there's a painted arrow pointing at his mouth with the words, dare you, dare you, double dare you. So Rose slowly and cautiously reaches into the man's mouth and pulls out a room, a hotel room key. Uh, she goes to leave the bathroom and stumbles out into the hall where we see the three men in gas masks. One of them spots her. She rushes back in the room and locks the door just as they begin to pound on the other side. She begins to pray for help. Now, I love this transition st- shot because we see her like leaning against the wall or leaning against the door praying while the men are pounding on it. And then we kind of go up through the little window over the door and down on the other side where we see the men beating on the door and eventually focus on the canary in the cage on the floor. Right. Yeah. It's a great shot. It's so cool. And uh, then the canary starts to freak out. So the men stop, grab the canary and haul ass out of there, leaving Rose alone. Suddenly we hear the air raid siren again, and the world begins to shift back to the other world. Rose turns on her light and watches as the walls melt away, leaving rusted metal gates in its place. Again, what did you eat at Mighty Taco that's making the walls <laughs> melt? You're, you're not just peeling the paint. You're peeling everything but the metal. <laughs> you're leaving you ripped a hole in time and space with the new Super Mighty. <laughs> the, the black hole is destroyer. Oh, man. So, but suddenly the bound man, the, the janitor, comes slithering out of the stall on the other side of the room moaning and flicking his tongue at the air. That was just creepy. Yeah. But everywhere he touches, like tendrils of like this fleshy fungus start growing on the wall. Eventually boils begin to form on the ground and wall and they start pulsating. Rose takes off running out of the room as the boils burst and giant bugs crawl out everywhere. Uh, So Rose finds herself in a hallway with the three men being devoured by the bugs and runs the other way. She runs uh, runs across a walkway with a, like a gated window and tries to get out. She looks around and sees a demonic version of Sharon drawing furiously at a desk. She stops and looks at Rose. Rose screams and falls out the window. Meanwhile, we see uh, Chris and Gucci are now at the school looking around for Rose and the others. 
And I like how their their clothes and hair are perfectly dry in spite of them just being soaked in rain two seconds ago. Movie's got a movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's like, their hair's all redone. It's like, wait a second, you guys were soaked to the bone a second ago. So Rose finds herself in the courtyard a bit dazed from the fall. Suddenly the doors open and thousands of bugs swarm out as Pyramid Head comes lumbering out, dragging a corpse and his giant sword. Rose just takes the fuck off. She's like, nope, <laughs> she's gone. So now we get this cool back and forth where we cut between uh, Chris and Gucci in the courtyard and Rose running through the courtyard in the other world. Um, she passes the spot where Chris is and he feels her presence and smells her perfume. Of course, this causes Chris to, to freak out looking around for his wife and Gucci thinks he's losing it. He's like, okay, you've breathed too much of the coal fumes. Put your mask back on. And if you uh, were a ghost. What would your wife smell? Hmm. Honestly, probably Old Spice deodorant. <laughs> because I've been wearing it for so long, and she said that she associates that smell with me. There would just be, like, this phantom shit smell <laughs> from my gas. <laughs> you would just whisper, taco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ghost with a high fiber diet. <laughs> well, they, they do say that a lot of times bad smells are associated with ghosts. So, you know, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> smells like a paper. <clears throat> What's worse, sulfur or gas? Well, from depend- your ass. Depends on what you ate. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is, Maurice, we're going to get some some Mighty Taco. And then we're going to go to Centralia, Pennsylvania. And we're just going to fart in each other's faces. <laughs> And then smell the air until we can kind of figure out the answer to that question. (laughs) Because science. (laughs) So patrons, if you want to see this happen. (laughs) Mike's fourth podcast, farting. (laughs) Coming soon. Mike's fourth podcast. Do this smell. (laughs) (laughs) Do this smell. Oh, man. So Rose makes her way to the other side of the school and just kind of breaks down in a hallway when suddenly her flashlight goes out and a swarm of the bugs start coming toward her. Just then, Sybil grabs her, drags her, into an, drags her into a nearby room, and they barricade the door against a swarm of bugs. They hear something coming toward them, and suddenly a giant blade rips through the door and swings back and forth trying to get them. Uh, they're just out of reach. Like It's one of those things where they're like, all the way, like, basically, my fat ass would be fucked. Because <laughs> the blade is coming so close, I'm like, oh, I would split my belly. I'd be screwed. Um, so it's just almost getting them. So we see uh, uh, Pyramid Head, you know, and now that he's opened a giant hole in the in the door with his blade, he reaches in trying to grab the bar blocking the door as bugs swarm into the room. Sybil shoots his arm, which doesn't do dick. Uh, but there's a nice detail here that, that we don't see enough of in, in movies. They're in a confined space when Sybil starts shooting. And Rose's look of like shock and fear and quickly covering her ears. So it's like you, every action movie, people are popping off fucking rounds and cars and confined spaces. No one realizes how fucking loud those things are. Yeah. Arnold like, Schwarzenegger has to be deaf. Right. <laughs> like, so that's why I really appreciated just that little touch of, uh, you know, Rada Mitchell, where she was like, you know, she jumped back and covered her ears. And I was like, that's that's pretty good. Um, but suddenly Pyramid Head slowly pulls his back, pulls his arm back out and begins walking away. 
The bugs drop dead all around them, and the world begins to return to the uh, from the other world back to the foggy world. So Sybil and Rose come out of the room, you know, look in the old, uh, regular old hallway, and Sybil's freaking the fuck out, wanting to know what the hell's going on. Rose tells her they need to find Sharon before it happens again. She show, shows her the hotel key and, and uh, that she found in the bathroom and tells her that they think they need or that she needs to go to the hotel to find Sharon. Sybil agrees and they take off. Cut to Officer Gucci dropping Chris off at his car again, telling him not to worry. They're going to find his wife and daughter. He also tells him, don't try anything stupid. We have officers posted here all night and we can't have civilians <laughs> wandering around on their own. Chris says, you're not telling me everything. What really happened here? Gucci tells him, just let it rest in peace. So we cut to Chris driving away, calling directory assistance, asking to be connected to the Toluca County Archives. He gets the archives office on the phone and asks for the police records from Silent Hill. The operator tells him that those records are confidential. Uh, he tries to tell her it's an emergency, and she tells him, I can't help you, and hangs up, leaving Chris at a dead end. This is where Act 1 ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? I'm in. That's good. I get whether keep they keep cutting away to Chris. Yeah. But like I'm not interested. Yeah, his story you know? I mean it makes sense, but yeah, his story is not exciting. Just for like pacing, I, I get whether doing it, but like I don't really care that much. Well, I think it's it's also to help with the backstory once we finally find out what happened in Silent Hill and how Gucci is connected. Yeah. Um so we kind of needed that introduction of that character, but yeah, I, I agree it is boring. Um I will say, you know, as we talked about at the, at the beginning of the movie, the CGI definitely doesn't hold up as well as it could. Um, like the, the little bugs and some of like the melting away scenes definitely look a little video gamey by today's standards. But overall, like overall, the aesthetic of this film really does hold up. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I think it was you, Mike, that said, like, all your complaints are nitpicky. And that's kind of where I am, like. I can nitpick the CGI, but it it's still good. <laughs> like it, I'm, I'm okay. Ninety percent good to ten percent bad. Exactly. And it, like it just outweighs everything, so like I can't complain. Yeah, and I, and I genuinely do really enjoy this flick. So, but uh, so Act Two kicks up with uh, Rose and Sybil making their way to the hotel to continue to continue their search. They hear someone screaming for help inside and run in to find a woman throwing rocks at the old woman that Rose ran into earlier, uh, Dahlia. So Sybil and Rose uh, stop the woman from throwing more stones as Dahlia gets up and tells them, think you of thee who cast the first stone, lambs without a shepherd, shepherd without a flock. It's your sins who hold you here or your sins, which hold you here. So, of course, that's going to be important later. Uh, Dahlia scurries off as the woman screams that she's a liar. Sybil and Rose continue uh, to question the woman, asking her, like, why she's here? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We find out her name is Anna and that she's scavenging for food to bring back to the other survivors in the church. They ask her who the woman is, and she tells her Dahlia was cast out. Not even the darkness wants her. So they ask her what the symbol on the floor is and, you know, the strange cross symbol that, we've, that we're seeing it for the second time here. Anna tells her that it's on all the buildings that the elders of her elders built. It's a symbol of their faith. Rose asks Anna if she's seen her daughter and Anna tells her no and comments if she has faith, she if she has faith, she might survive. If not, dot, dot, dot. And I love Rose's reaction because she just grabs Anna's knife and goes, I'm taking this. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that part. Like, bitch, talk about my daughter. I'm going to steal your shit. And every time <laughs> they say you got to have faith. Uh, 
you hear George Michael? George Michael. God have <laughs> It's such a serious movie that Right. <laughs> so Rose and Sybil find more of the room keys that look just like the one that Rose found in the school, along with Sharon's drawings in, in, in a mailbox for room 111. Uh, this one depicts a sad girl on fire while monstrous faces watch. They decide they're going to go investigate the room. So now we cut back to Chris outside the Brahms archives. We see the employees closing up for the night, and he breaks in like a fucking ninja by shattering the window of the front door and just walking in. I laughed so hard. Like, just, yeah, it's good. Shatter. Just like, dude, yeah. you didn't even try. <laughs> Come on, you would too if you could. Right. But he finds the archives of Silent Hill and begins looking through them. Inside, we see a report from Officer Gucci talking about a victim who was burned. While going through the photos, he finds a photo of a girl who looks exactly like his daughter with the name A. Gillespie on it. He finds the info on the back of the photo, and it mentions a kidnapping and assault uh, in November 1974 at the Grand Hotel, room 111. Chris calls information to get the address of the Toluca County Orphanage. Back at the hotel, Sybil, Rose, and Anna search for room 111 as Anna complains that they're wandering too far from safety. They can't find room 111. It's like it doesn't even exist. And they find a huge painting of a witch burning. Anna tells them that it's of the first burning, that the elders of her elders burned witches to keep the darkness at bay. They believed it stopped the apocalypse. So the whole town was full of witch hunters. This seems, it, it seemed like a puzzle that would be in the game as oh, I yeah. was watching this moment where it's like, What's in my inventory that can cut this painting? Yep. And that actually, yep, it, it is. Okay. <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, so, but uh, Anna remembers Sharon's drawing and cuts the painting open, revealing room 111 behind it. They go in, find a hole in the wall leading to the next building. So for plot reasons, they jump across and Rose drops the knife. Now, again, this is straight out of the game. This is a nitpicky moment for me where I was like, this looks kind of stupid. Yeah, well, that's and that's the thing, like in the game you're in, I want to say, I think it is the hotel, but I know like you jump across to an apartment building, um, you know, like through a hole in the wall, like because you couldn't get in the other building. And it's like, oh, you have to go this convoluted way and find your way through this locked door. And it's like, oh, look, now I can get across to the next building. Does the game so. have uh, like tank controls? Oh, yeah, it's it's old school survival horror. Yeah. So tank controls, bad fighting. You know, it's more about the puzzle solving and the the, the fear factor. Okay. But uh, <clears throat> so they, they go across the next building. Uh, Rose sees what she thinks is Sharon uh, and runs off searching out, or searching for her, leaving Sybil and Anna behind. Rose finds uh, a room where the floor is torn open, leading to a pit below and a little girl crying on the other side of the pit. So, of course, she decides to play real life Mario Brothers and jump across the girders <laughs> to get across the pit. I was like, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, like the characters have been pretty level headed, <laughs> right? But the, I guess it's because it's her daughter. <clears throat> but still, how are you going to get back across? <laughs> like, find a way know. to safely cross. <laughs> this like, is where, like, if your wife drags you on this adventure to go to another dimension to find your, like, if Caleb rifts a hole in time and space with, like, a Casio <laughs> keyboard and, you know, an old Game Boy. I'm sure this where Jess would be like, Mike, go get him. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I'm gonna stand over here and tell you what to do. <clears throat> all you need, all you need, is the portal gun from Rick and Morty. You're good. Exactly. There you go. Yep. <laughs> but um, so she makes she makes her way across and tries to comfort and reassure the little girl. 
The girl turns around to look at Rose and she looks exactly like Sharon, only like darker. And Rose asks if she's Alessa and the little girl smiles and says, look at me, I'm burning as she ignites and lights the room up. The kids get a really weird sense of humor. <laughs> right. So, well, keep in mind, it's technically a demon. Yeah. <laughs> but so Rose gasps and then realizes it was all a hallucination. Sybil and Anna find Rose and toss over a conveniently hanging cord <laughs> so she can swing back across the pit. Now she's playing pitfall. So first it was Mario, now pitfall. Um, but Rose tries to tell them that she saw Dahlia's daughter, that she's the one that brought them there, explaining how she ran out in the road and caused her to crash. Uh, she then says, it's Alessa. Anna pipes up and goes, we don't say her name. <laughs> like, I love the way she says that. She's like, oh, no, Wapner's going to be on in five yeah, minutes. Yeah, you, you <laughs> took my joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was very Rain Man. Sorry for anybody with autism. No, oh, yeah. No, I'm not making fun. I'm making fun of, you know, Rain yeah. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Sybil looks around the room uh, and noting that something often ha- uh, something awful happened there. Uh, in the center of the room over the pit, we see a metal a metal grate hanging from chains. It has the symbol of Anna's religion on it. Suddenly, a shitload of crows fly out of the pit and Anna freaks out, telling them they have to leave, that the darkness is coming. So the group take off running. I believe in a thing called love. Now, if that darkness was coming, I would stick around. Because <clears throat> that's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Wait, Maurice, I'm sure you've answered this question before, but did they do more than that first album? Did they have like a bunch of albums? Yeah, I, they just put one out this year, I believe. Really? Uh, I, just, I remember I reading the lead singer had some like uh, severe like personal problems, like an eating disorder. Mm. And like he really had to like step away and take care of himself, and I don't know if that was like too much time. No, because as a matter of fact, um, <clears throat> the lead singer was on that uh, the tribute for uh, for uh, oh my goodness, Taylor Hawkins. Oh, from the Foo Fighters. Oh no shit. Yeah, he he sang a song. I can't. Remember. I think he did a. <clears throat> I think he did a Foo Fighters song. I'm, but yeah, he was on that. Uh, tribute show it was just one of those things like i remember when that song came out like th- these guys were everywhere and then it just seemed like it <laughs> disappeared I, yeah I, I think they actually just came around here last year oh no shit yeah rock music they, remember that what's that what rock it? music remember that <laughs> rock music <laughs> yeah oh well, God. yeah <laughs> now it's all alternative rock I still, I, I'm sure I said this on on the air at some point, but uh, you know, you, you guys have heard the term butt rock, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like Nickelback stuff like that. I just assumed it was called butt rock because you know it's like, ha, that's funny, it's butt rock. But then I realized that like where it actually comes from. I think it was Strasburg that pointed this out to me. That uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's 103.3. We where where we play nothing but rock. Like, oh, that's actually where butt rock comes from. Like, really? Oh, yeah. I never knew that. <laughs> so, OK, maybe I didn't know. <laughs> I just Son of I, a bitch. I just thought it was like. The best way we could make fun of it. Right. So did I. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> ass, oh, wait, ass rock. <laughs> exactly. That, that's how I always interpreted it. It's half butt rock. But it's like, no, it's nothing but rock. like, oh, son of a bitch. The more, you know. But anyway, back to the movie. So 
Uh, so yeah, they they run outside. They're running down the street as the the crows are flying down toward the church. Um, as they get closer to the church, Rose freezes seeing the building, realizing that it was in Sharon's drawing. A bunch of people rush past Rose and Sybil and go into the church. Dahlia passes them going in the other direction, warning them not to go into the church as well, saying they're wolves in the skin of sheep. They brought about their own hell and they'll take you with them. Anna hits Dahlia with rocks, screaming that she's a liar. Rose tries to talk to Dahlia, asking if she's seen or saying that she's seen Alessa and asking if she's dead. Dahlia tells her fire doesn't cleanse, it blackens. Rose asks why Alessa brought them there, and Dahlia tells her evil wakes in vengeance. Be careful what you choose, as the sky goes black. Sybil turns on her flashlight. We see the world begin to melt away into the other world. Rose and Sybil run toward the church doors. Anna goes to throw another rock at Dahlia, who gives her the evil horns. And then Pyramid Head appears behind Anna and grabs her. A lot of malice in this movie. What's that? A lot of maloinks, the evil eye. <laughs> yep, exactly. She dra- uh, He drags Anna up the stairs, holds her up in front of Sybil and Rose, rips her clothes off, and then grabs her skin at the chest and just twists it and yanks it clean off. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, that's a brutal death. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, he throws her wet skin at them. <laughs> So they run inside right as the doors close and blood just spatters inside covering them. It's such an amazing scene. Oh, it's so good. And again, so good. all practical. Like there was a big fucking like chunk of latex covered in fake blood that dude hucked at the at the door. Like, <laughs> yeah, they add spatter, you know, with some CG, but a lot of that is real. So it's like, God, it was so, so well done. But so they get inside and, of course, the entire congregation turns on them, immediately accusing them of being witches and they want vengeance. And I just I have a note here. She turned me into a newt. I got better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Sybil fires off a shot, scaring the crap out of the crowd as their leader, Christabella, comes out. Anna's mother blames Rose and Sybil for Anna's death. And Christabella tells her that Anna went against our laws. She went out into the devil's playground and she was not the responsibility of these two strangers. She then tells the group that they must pray. So they kneel around the symbol of their faith and begin to pray. Slowly, the darkness goes away. Now, I didn't write it down, but everything they were saying, they were, it was literally just lines from Revelations. Um, but cut back to the Toluca County Orphanage. Can I ask you a question, Mike? Yeah. Can you quote the Bible? Some passages, yeah. Is that something you just like, well, I like this passage, I'm going to memorize it? Or... Certain things just stuck out, um, you know, because I mean, I, I have I have read it in its entirety. Um, I've definitely read some chapters more than others. And uh, like, you know, go back and there's certain chapters that I found comforting. So, you know, I would reread them. Um, it's I honestly it's been quite a long time since I've read the Bible, probably a good like 10 years. But, um, you know, it's yeah, it, it is something I will revisit every once in a while and, and read stuff, especially if I'm if I'm not in a great place, you know. Like if I'm feeling depressed or anxious or whatever, yeah, I kind of take comfort in it. So, um, but yeah, it is something that, that certain things I can quote. And then there, there are, uh, certain things that I have to constantly defend because there's a lot of people out there who like to twist the words of the Bible to treat other people badly. And it's like, then you don't, you clearly don't understand what you were reading because you're not supposed to be treating people badly. 
Do you have so, like one in your back pocket if you ever need a badass moment? Oh no, I just you know on my phone. <laughs> okay, pull out the phone. I used to have a mini Bible that I would keep on me. No, no, I mean um, like if you know somebody like you're gonna about to beat the crap out of somebody and you're like, and I said unto thee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like if I ever have to like talk to somebody who no, is, no. is uh, using using Christianity as a means to harm, and it's like that that. That's a whole nother podcast, but that will always bother me. If you if you use your belief structure to cause harm to other people, fuck you. No, I, I'm <laughs> like, in, in total agreement there. I meant like, yeah. do you have a, a Jules from Pulp Fiction moment? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I can't say that I have one of those. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's why uh, like villains like Christabella and villains like the chick in the mist affect me so much because like I have met people like this who claim to be doing God's work and are just fucking evil and it drives me crazy and I, I can't tell you how many times as a kid like because I, I taught I taught a Bible study I, I helped teach a youth group and I cannot tell you how many times as a kid in various churches that I was I belonged to where I would try to do stuff with the youth group and like the older people in the, in the, in the church would basically act like we were sinners. And it's like, we're literally here talking about our belief, like joining you in church services, but you look down at us like we're fucking evil, like eat a dick. <laughs> I can't stand people like that. And so it's unfortunate that they're everywhere. I would Man. know, but Mike, thank you just for not being a dick and being a good person. <laughs> well, thank you. The I, world needs more people like you. Well, uh, it's it's unfortunate that there's so many people who claim to be, you know, Christian and are just hurting everybody in the world. But, you know, in a world full of dicks, be a huggable teddy bear. Exactly. <laughs> be a care bear, damn it. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so we have this whole the whole back and forth where uh, or I'm sorry, oh, we're back at the, the orphanage. Yeah. So uh, we cut to the orphanage. Christopher is, is there to talk to one of the nuns trying to get some answers about the picture that he found. She tell uh, she tells him that she can't give any information about any of the kids uh, that were at the orphanage. And he grabs her, telling her it's an emergency that, you know, this girl looks like it could be the mother of his daughter who he adopted nine years ago and she's missing and blah, 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 blah. And she tells him the story isn't hers alone. It's all of ours. Just then Officer Gucci shows up and stops Chris. I love, I love, Kim, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kim Coates, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love his, his reaction. He's like, ah, oh, oh, see now, Chris, what you got here is <laughs> breaking and entering. And it looks like a little assault on top of that. Like just the way he says it is so fucking funny. Failure to communicate. Exactly. <laughs> But he, you know, he breaks it up and the nun tells Gucci this can't go any farther and he promises her that it won't. Chris shows him the photo of, of the, the girl and asks if he knows her. Gucci cuffs him and brings him to a room where him and Sister Margaret talk to him. Gucci tells him that he knew the girl in the photo and was told that she didn't survive the night, that it was almost 30 years ago, the night of the fire. He tells him that there were a group of fanatics who hurt the girl. We don't find out how just yet. Uh, he explains that it, it was it's done and over with and that Chris can either go to jail or forget about all this and go home. Chris says, is that your idea of justice? And Gucci says there are many different forms of justice, Chris, gods, man's and even the devil's. 
And then he pulls off his gloves and shows him his hands. And we see that they're covered in burns. He tells Chris again to go home, forget about all this and let him worry about Silent Hill. Back in the church, Rose and Sybil talk to Christabella about what's going on, about what uh, about how she has no idea how they ended up in this town, but that her daughter is missing and she needs to find her. We get this self-righteous back and forth where Christabella finds out that Rose isn't a believer and mocks her, basically saying that their faith keeps the darkness of hell at bay. Rose tells her, then use your faith to help me find Sharon. Christabella tells her that only the demon knows where her daughter is and no one, that no one has ever returned from the heart of darkness. But she won't stop her if she if she wants to go and speak with the demon. So we see the men of the congregation suiting up in the minor outfits that we saw before. And Rose and Sybil discuss what they're doing. Rose tells uh, Sharon that, or t- Rose tells Sybil that Sharon is adopted, but no matter what, she is her mother. She knew the moment she first laid eyes on her. Sybil tells her that she's lucky to have her and saying that mother is God in the eyes of a child. That will be important later. Christabella notices Rose's locket on the ground and pockets it as they head out into the fog. Is that the same quote from a crow? What mother is the mother is God in the eyes of a child? Yeah, or yeah, some variation of that. I only remember it can't rain all the time. Um, <laughs> God, don't don't sideline the show for that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I don't remember. I, I I haven't seen the crow in a long time. The junkie mom that the skateboard girl, her mother, has a heroin problem, and Brandon Lee climbs in the window and he says like something to that effect. Oh yeah, scares the crap out of her, and then she decides to clean up oh my god i forgot about yeah I'm th- i I think you're right i think he does say something along the same lines shit i'm not watch exactly that. like that but like pretty close yeah basically like you know you know you're you know you, you're you're supposed to take care of her but i can't, um, I can't remember what it was said let me sideline this again mm-hmm. before uh Teresa gets home my lovely wife i'm in trouble Uh Because she was on the other side of the wall when I was telling the story at the beginning of this podcast. And she didn't know the whole story. And now I'm in deep shit. Oh, shit. Totally worth it. Don't worry. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, dude. (laughs) No, no, no. Like, uh, she's not a fan of my ex. And any mention of her sets her off. And she hasn't come up in 10 years. Gotcha. Uh, Because I I learned the hard way not to say her name out loud. She's like a Voldemort. (laughs) Um, and I just got a text <laughs> Uh-oh. asking if I want ice cream. And did you tell that? Uh, she said, I didn't know you bought a ring for that fucking twat because my wife has a way with words. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she's not wrong. It sounds like she was a fucking twat. So. But I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, it's, yeah, you know women. Oh, anyways. Sucks. Sorry, man. I'll be buying flowers later. <laughs> The podcast that brought her flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the listeners should go back and find all the podcasts that I got in trouble for. (laughs) We can make a scavenger hunt out of it. Good times. But uh, so they make their way to the hospital and go inside, making their way to the elevator. Christabella shows Rose a map on the wall, showing her a room that the demon is in and tells her to memorize the map as it may save her life. Seemed like that was from the video game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you get maps all the time in those. Um, She also warns her that the demon hides hides in the guise of an innocent and to not believe her eyes as they will lie to her. 
She tells Rose that she will pray for her, but she does not expect either her or Sybil to return. The men pry open the elevator with a metal bar so they can get inside. One of the men gives Rose a flashlight, telling her they'll be drawn to the light, but you won't be able to see without it. Before they get in the elevator, Christabella apologizes to Rose, holding out the locket, saying, We've lived as scavengers for too long. I believe this is yours. But before she can give it back, she notices the picture of Sharon inside the locket and immediately accuses Rose of being a witch, saying her child is the likeness of Alessa, her child is the next vessel. The men go to attack, Sybil fights them off, forcing Rose into the elevator and telling Rose to find her daughter and pulls the bar out, sending the elevator on its way. Sybil holds her gun on Christabella and smirks. I love this. She, Because Sybil knows she ain't got no more bullets left. She pulls the trigger. Christabella's like, ah! and then like, you know, Sybil's just smiling like, you fucker. And then, of course, the men jump on her and start beating the fuck out of her. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's it's a brutal fucking scene. But if you noticed when Sybil was fighting back, she killed one of those guys. I know. But man, I really like at that point in the movie, I'm like, she's really fucking cool. Oh, yeah. No, I love Sybil. <laughs> she's she's cool. In in the video game, she's a lot less of an interesting character. Um, She's cool, but she's not as important as she is in the movie. Um. But yeah, when they when they're beating the hell out, like anytime I see that in a movie where people like surround a person and just pummel the fuck out of them, I'm always like, ah, it's just so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it, like, I like her better in this, and I like her in Walking Dead. Hot oh, take. oh yeah, oh, I, oh, I totally agree. In Walking Dead, she pissed me off several times. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't her totally fault. Agree. It's just how they wrote the character. Yeah, I mean, she she played the character well. You know, and there's a lot of great episodes with her, but she also pissed me off very regularly yeah. on that show. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so the elevator heads down into the darkness as Sybil's getting her ass kicked by the by the congregation. And this is where Act Two ends. What do you guys think? I'm digging it. It's um, a wild ride. Yep. At this it's, point in the movie, I cannot wait for Christabel and her flock to get their fucking comeuppance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm getting like major mrs carmoody from the mist vibes mm-hmm. also starring Lori holden um but yeah it's See, now, coming don't worry i will say this about this film this this is something that uh a lot of people um fuck up in longer movies is the pacing the pacing in this is so good because it just keeps on moving at a fine clip like i always forget that this is over two hours you don't feel it no it's it's just i mean it, before you know it it's over and it's like damn two hours passed holy shit i watched a so. movie last night that was 70 minutes long it mm-hmm. felt like five hours who <laughs> was at that roller rink one don't watch <laughs> i Do was not watch death rink <laughs> uh i was kind of surfing around tubi as i like to do there's a movie called death rink and the cover is a roller a roller derby girl from like the neck down Mm-hmm. holding an axe so i'm like this is a slasher movie in a, with roller derby girls this is really cool yep guess what you don't get any of that see i'm glad i talked to you before i put it on because uh, i'm finally off tomorrow uh a little behind the scenes for the listeners i've been working 12 days straight i'm i'm very punchy at this point um but yeah i i was like oh that looks interesting just from the cover you posted so i'm glad i talked to you before i watched it because yeah <laughs> i would have wasted my time uh, it takes place in a bowling alley, not a bowling alley, a roller rink mm-hmm. that people don't know how to roller skate, though. <laughs> and uh, they're 
are no roller skating themed kills. Oh, fun. And uh, the highlight of the movie is the killer who they try their darndest to hide who it is, but the mask, the eye holes are too big and you can see who it is. <laughs> like, right from the start. Uh, oh my God, that's amazing. The killer chokes a teenager with a telephone cord and they die in like two seconds. Yep. They're just like, <clears throat> and then it's just like, the director's like, good, let's keep going. <laughs> and that's it, they're dead. And you're just like, what, what? <clears throat> is that how that works? Oh, that's, that <laughs> sounds awful. They got a neck rub and died. <laughs> and it's it's literally 60 minutes of characters talking about sex. But gotcha. No idea what they're talking about. Like, clearly, uh, 13-year-old horny boy wrote the movie. <laughs> and it's just characters sitting in a circle like, I did the sex. No, I did the sex better. I touched <laughs> the boob. I did the sex. And I'm just like, where's the roller derby girls? Like, I thought it was going to be like rival roller derby team and there's a killer roller skating guy or something. And it seemed like a good enough idea for a slasher movie. And it's not. Act three picks up where uh, Rose arrives in the basement of the hospital and begins making her way to the room while uh, reciting the directions to herself. So, you know, she's like, you know, 4A left, you know, 5A right, kind of going back and forth of what she memorized of the map. Eventually, she comes across a hall filled with twisted, faceless nurses carrying knives and pipes. They all turn toward her, or tw- tw- uh, all turn toward her because she's holding the light, and begin to slowly move at her. She turns off the light, and they freeze. Now, quick little thing about the nurses: the nurses have been in Silent Hill games since the first one. The first game, they were known as the puppet nurses. Uh, they had these like weird parasites on them that were kind of controlling them, like a, a weird puppeteer. The second game, they were faceless, overly sexualized nurses like we see in the movie. And again, the reason is because of the main characters, like sexual frustrations and guilt. So the the reason that they're faceless is because they could have been any woman. He's just it's that carnal desire. Okay. so it's like, again, they don't quite match up with the tone of this film. I get why they chose it, because they were the most iconic from the game series. But outside of that version of Silent Hill, they don't make sense because everyone's version of Silent Hill is different. So in my Silent Hill, I'd be chased around by Linnea Quigley in a nurse outfit. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. But but she would she would look like she does now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Silent Hill. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so Rose takes a deep breath and slowly begins to move toward the nurses. Uh, the creatures are like she's kind of like sliding between them. The creatures are, are moving a little bit, like trying to hear her. Um, so you can see that they want to kill her, but they don't know where she is. One of them eventually hears her and goes to attack, hitting another nurse by slashing her throat. Uh, this causes the nurses to go into complete frenzy, attacking one another, swinging their weapons wildly, killing each other. Rose gets behind him, sets up the light, and takes off running. So as they they slowly surround the light. She gets to the end of the hall, goes through the door to the demon's room, and is blinded by white light. We hear a little girl's voice talking to Rose, congratulating her on making it all the way, and tells her that her reward is the truth. So now we get our parlor scene where they explain everything. Um, we get, it's, like, it, it's told in kind of a series of grainy flashbacks. I, li- I like the way they showed it. 
So uh, basically, this poor girl, Alessa, was tormented by the town. Her mom had her out of wedlock, and she wouldn't name the father, so the creepy bastards that ran the town claimed she was evil because they're a bunch of fuckers. The kids tormented her because the parents told told her or told them that the little girl was evil. So everyone just tortured this poor, poor girl. It's even implied that the school janitor, Colin, the, the guy we saw earlier, molested her, which is just extra fucked up to be fucked up. Yeah. It's like, we didn't need that. Come on, guys. Like, ugh. but anyway, we see uh, Christabella convincing Dahlia that they must purify the filth. And I'm not sure that Dahlia quite understood what she meant by this because she goes along with what her sister says. We also find out here that Christabella is Dahlia's sister. Yes. So this is this is literally Alessa's aunt. Um, so we see the town elders gathering at the Grand Hotel where they go to room 111. They turn Dahlia away, telling her that they fight the sin and not the sinner, and they block Dahlia from following her. Now, this part is heartbreaking because they, they take Alessa into the room as she's screaming for her mother. Her mother realizes what's happening, drops the veil from her head, and, like, runs off to get help. Inside, we see what the six, sick fucks basically did. So they have Alessa on the metal grate with the symbol of their faith over a pit of coals. So they're literally cooking her alive. Um, and of course, the whole time they're claiming they're doing God's work, that they're they're locked in mortal battle with this demon. It's like, you fucking sick bastards. When has this ever worked out for anybody in history ever? Exactly. When has <laughs> exactly. it been like any books anywhere? When was it like, yep, and that worked out for them for setting somebody on fire for to appease their gods? Mm-hmm. Never. No, never, ever. It always comes back on you. Like, don't do it. And this isn't horror movie logic. This is just like everybody in history is going to look back at you and think you're a turd. Mm -hmm. Like you could have done anything else. Maybe people have been like, oh, they figured it out. Finally, like they cast her out of the town or branded her something. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. They're just like, no, we're going to kill her. Let's go. The old standby. Let's set her on fire. Oh, it's so twisted. And again, like the idea of burning alive is probably the most horrific way I can think of going. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, oh, yeah, this movie really hammers that point in. Oh, yeah, it does. So while, you know, while she's burn, <coughs> we see her burning. We hear uh, the, the narrator voice, the little girl saying, you should be careful how you fight evil. Your weapons can be turned against you. We see the the grate that Alessa is on come loose and it whacks into the, the bowl of coals, knocking it over, causing a fire in the hotel. So, of course, the sick fucks all run to safety. Dahlia returns with the police, but of course it's too late, one of which is Officer Gucci. We see he runs up to free Alessa from the restraints, but burns his hands on the metal. So that's how his hands got all scarred up. The voice explains that Alessa was hurt so badly and so scared that her hate began to change the world. The voice explains, that's when I came. The demon promised Alessa that they would fall into her darkest dream, and Alessa agreed and began to change the town. So Rose removes her hands from her eyes, and we see Alessa's room with a a crying nurse. Now, she's just called the Red Nurse in in the movie, uh, but she is is a reference to one of the video game characters. I believe her name is Lisa Garland. She's one of the side characters that pops up in the first, uh, first Silent Hill, and I believe is a playable character in one of the expansions that I didn't play. But uh, so she is she's a Silent Hill character. 
The demon then explains to Rose that Alessa needs Rose's help. That Rose asks about her daughter, or I'm sorry, Rose asks about her daughter, and the demon explains that Sharon is actually Alessa's daughter. That she's all that's left of the good in her. That they, <clears throat> they, they separated her and hid her in the real world outside of the hell they created. The demon tells Rose that the, they want revenge, and because she chose Sharon, Rose has been chosen to help them. The demon goes on to explain that Christabella will find Sharon, and she plans to purify her, and then goes on to say that their blind conviction blocks, blocks them from getting into the church, but Rose is able to get in. So Rose agrees to help and tells Alessa, uh, or I'm sorry, and Alessa tells her that she must tell the congregation the truth. She then hugs her and absorbs into Rose's body. We we pan out. We see the the that we finally see the nurse's face. Her like eyelids have been cut off. Her eyes are white, and she's crying blood. Pretty gnarly looking. Yeah, Oof. but yeah. <laughs> Back in the hotel, we see Sharon sleeping in a room. Suddenly, the men and Christabella bust in. Dahlia tries to stop them and get her get them away from Sharon, but they're able to take the girl. Uh, cut to Gucci and some of the officers leading Chris back out of town, telling telling him, go on, get, and stay gone. Uh, Chris basically tells him, I'm coming back with people that know what they're doing. And Gucci just gives him that look. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> just sends him on his way. So back at the church, we see the congregation building a bonfire in the middle of the church. Uh, while Christabella convinces them that Sharon is the daughter of Alessa, fathered by a demon, and they must burn her, because of course they must. We see Sybil strapped to a ladder above the bonfire they're constructing. She's trying to reason with the crowd, but they're fucking insane. They light the fire and lower Sybil over it, slowly cooking her to death. And holy hell is it gnarly. Oh, God. This whole scene is just brutal. It's and it's it's made all the more brutal by the fact that she's like begging them beforehand to stop. Yeah, yeah, like see reason. What are you doing? And while she's cooking, we're seeing the congregation like laugh and point, and they're so happy to be killing this woman. It's like it's very disturbing. But again, special effects wise, how they do that burn sequence is beautiful. Like it, it is so gnarly. Like where you see like the the latex fake skin peeling back, and it's like ah, stop it! <laughs> it's so gross. Um, and then of course her death throws like the way uh, Laurie Holden plays it. It's like man, it's it's a very well done scene. It's amazing. Yeah. So they tie Sharon to the next ladder, and the crowd gets the fu- gets uh, all fired up to burn the kid. Just then Rose enters the church and tells them they won't harm her child. <clears throat> Christabella, of course, accuses her of being a witch and blah, blah, blah. Death to the demoness. (laughs) Yeah, death to the demoness, Alessa Geller, (laughs) or Allegra Geller. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, Rose tells the people that they've been lied to, that she comes from a world outside Silent Hill, a world full of life. There was no apocalypse, and they're trapped in a hell of their own making. Of course, they don't believe her. And Rose confronts Christabella for what she's done, telling her that she burned an innocent, that they're alone in this limbo and God is not here because of her. Christabella stabs Rose in the chest. Rose falls over, bleeding all over the floor while all over the floor while Sharon watches in horror. A couple things happen in pretty quick succession. The blood starts to drip off the knife and out of Rose's wound and taint the floor. We see like as it it, it hits the floor and begins to like uh, turn to the other world, allowing Alessa and the darkness to come in. 
So the floor, the floor where the bonfire is falls away, creating a pit. From out of the pit, we see Alessa and her bed rise up, surrounded by barbed wire tentacles. Rose's wounds heal, as, and she stands up and faces the congregation as Alessa rises up behind her and begins to attack them in a spectacular bloodbath. Fuck them assholes. So awesome. Oh, it's so good. It I is think so- the only thing that would have been cooler is if Pyramid Head got in there and just went nuts. Yeah, just start swinging the sword around, <clears throat> chopping fools. But man, oh, it's so good. This, of course, Christabella has to get the best comeuppance because uh, she gets exactly what she deserves. The barbed wire, <laughs> the barbed wire tentacles grab her by the arm, lift her up in the air. Two more sets, grab her by the legs and spread her legs open. And she cries out, God, give me the strength to let me stay pure. And then a whole big ball, a pointed barbed wire tentacle shoot straight up her hoo-ha and rip out of her stomach, tearing her apart. <sighs> oh, and I love it because while that's happening, the little demon version of Alessa is just dancing in the blood falling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Yeah, I have to agree with the demon on this one. Fuck Christabella. <laughs> She's awful. So so appropriate <laughs> oh yeah like and that's the thing because she was so focused on impurity in in like a sexual manner it, i'm so glad that they went that route yep like you know what fuck you you're getting you're getting the perfect come up and um <laughs> so, but dahlia watches in horror as the congregation is ripped apart by alessa rose rescues sharon as the demon approaches them rose tells sharon to shut her eyes and to not look but sharon sneaks a peek and sees the demon smiling at her right before she faints. That's going to be important in the sequel, and I think that is a a moment that a lot of people forget about when they watch the sequel, because it's implied here a couple times that possibly the demon reunited with Sharon. So, because we get a little moment coming up here where, uh, like, the 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 whole church turns back to normal, and Rose and Sharon go to leave. Dahlia is the only one left. She, she asks Rose, why didn't she take me with the others? Rose simply tells her, because you're her mother, and mother is God in the eyes of a child. Sharon looks at Dahlia with a slight smirk, which I, I took as the implication that the demon has rejoined. So she's being let out of Silent Hill. Do you think people remember that? I Probably not, because the sequels were so far apart. But if you watch this before you watch the sequel, it makes a lot of sense. So because one of the criticisms I kept seeing for Silent Hill 2 is they're like, well, they separated the demon from, you know, fr- from uh, Sharon and, and from Alessa. So, no, it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, mm, it seems like the, they rejoined. Is so. Pyramid Head in Silent Hill 2? Yep. Well, I'm going to watch. Uh, along with a very strange creature called the Executioner, uh, which it honestly looks like it would, it belongs more in a Hellraiser movie than Silent Hill, but you know it, it's still cool. Okay. Um. So the two return to their car, and aren't at first they're not able to get it running, uh, running again. There's a brief moment where the car won't start, but Sharon as Sharon has her eyes closed, she opens them again, and the car suddenly starts, which again is kind of hinting to me that she's still controlling right. things. So they <laughs> they leave Silent Hill and return to their house. Cut to Christopher uh, laying in, laying in, I'm sorry, cut to Christopher at home. Uh, the phone rings, he picks, or the machine picks up, and we hear Rose calling him. 
She's saying that she's with Sharon and they're coming home, but all Chris is getting is broken up staticky voice. As Rose drives, we see that they're still in the fog, even though they're out of Silent Hill. They arrive at home and go inside, fog still all around them. We get this cool back and forth where we see uh, what Rose and Sharon are seeing, where they're in the foggy house. And then we see Chris sleeping on the couch in the sunshine. He's alone. They're not there, even though they're in the house. Chris wakes up, looks around, finds the front door open, but no one is there. Credits, the end. So, did they make it out? Did they no. not make it out? No. I mean, the sequel explains a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's that, that's the part that there's a hand-wavy bit. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, the sequel pulls from the games. There's a, a sigil in the games uh, that's very important. It's part of the religious order. It's uh, the sigil of Metatron. And um, in the second movie, they kind of like retroactively be like, oh, yeah, we found this sigil, but it would only allow one person to leave Silent Hill. So Rose decides to stay trapped in Silent Hill and let Sharon come home. So in the in the second, the second movie is about teenage Sharon. Um. But yeah, I, I still really like it, even though even with that little bit of hand waviness. Um, but overall, I, yeah, I, I, I got to say this is one of the best video game adaptations like across the board. Like I'm even going to say like just regular video game adaptations as well. I think Mortal Kombat, the first one, does a great job. Um, and there's been some other really fun ones like Doom really, uh, really adapts uh, a Doom 3 very well. Um and I'm hoping that this upcoming Mario Brothers movie does it justice. It looks like it's going to. I mean, like, I don't know if I like this more than Werewolves Within. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Werewolves Within is a video game, uh, you know, adaptation, really. It just takes the idea. Exactly. It's, it's um, more inspired by. I, I think really the only argument I could make would be the Last of Us TV show. Yeah. I mean, that. And see, and that that does... Uh, that that does exactly what I want out of an adaptation, where it takes a bunch of shit from the game, but it still gives us some new stuff and some different takes on certain things. Um, so it gives you a reason to watch, you know, because it's like, well, if I already saw the entire story multiple times by playing the game, why would I want to see the exact same thing again? Right. You know. So, but yeah, I, I will I will give you that more recent. I honestly kind of forgot about The Last of Us, um, as you know. In, in this idea of adapting video game horror, uh, that probably is the, the closest to the games out of any of these. But I do like the way this takes uh, elements from all the different games that were out at the time and kind of weaves them into one cohesive story. Whereas like other other movies like Resident Evil tried that and just did their own thing. But they were like, oh, yeah, you remember the liquor? Here it is. It, it showed up. Remember that guy with the chainsaw in the bag on his head? He, he's over here. You know, it's like, all right. Remember Nemesis? Yeah, we're just going to throw him in here. You're not going to know why. Yeah, he's there. But yeah, so so final thoughts, you guys, you, you really like it or? Yep. I love it. Digging it. All right. Find it. Watch it. <laughs> there is an absolute ton of trivia on IMDb, so. Anybody wanting to check out a bunch of trivia, go look at IMDb and honestly listen to the the uh, director commentary if you have the DVD because it's it's quite inter- interesting. Um, but I've mentioned a bunch of it. I mentioned a lot of the uh, video game 
parts that were in the in the film. Um, but one thing I, I found kind of funny is Robert uh, Campanella, the guy who played Pyramid Head and the janitor, had to wear 15 inch heels in the Pyramid Head costume. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's that's ridiculous. Um, also, in the witch burning picture in the church, uh, crew members from the movie were painted as spectators watching the burning. I just thought that was a fun touch. Um, something I didn't catch, but in the theater uh, that that Rose passes, the one that's in Silent Hill, there's a double feature listed of The Last Man on Earth and The Omega Man, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, that's cool. Subtle. Yeah. Um, the waterfall that we see at the beginning is actually a real waterfall in Hamilton, Ontario. It's uh, the it's called the punch, uh, the devil's punch bowl, <laughs> which I thought was very suiting considering the the movie. But uh, oh, and then this is just a, like a nice touch of the art. <clears throat> so uh, there were a hundred different copies of Rose's outfit made for the film. Uh, it started off with soft summery colors, and as the movie progressed, they became grayer and eventually blood red. So they, they, the change in the outfits were so subtle that it's barely noticeable. But once you go into it knowing that, you can see how her costume changes as she progresses in Silent Hill. That's crazy. I was like, there's so many cool little things like that. But yeah, like I said, tons of trivia. I'm not going to read it all because there's just too much of it. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think because we've. We've already gone over the movie's runtime, and it's getting late. We're probably going to have to wrap this one up real fast here. But uh, for anyone that is not following us on social media, check out The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. What is that good, sir? Yeah, Boogeyman's the. Thank you very much. Uh, we also have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as the higher tiers will get you uh, birthday picks, stuff in the mail, etc. Uh, there might be some major changes coming to that very soon. Um, I have to work some stuff out, but uh, I will definitely let everyone know and we'll announce it on the show as well. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon network. So if you like this show, chances are you're going to like others that are on the Rad Pantheon. So check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials. And I'm going to toss it over to Mike if you want to give any plugs for one of those Rad Pantheon uh, shows. Cow Creepy Head, Saturday Morning Monster Mash. It's the other podcast that Mike's a part of. Uh, just search for Count Creepy Head, creepy with a K. And you'll find us. Indeed. Um, and also, once again, Mike, thank you for joining us this month. Uh, it's been a very hectic month, so you and and Don definitely helped us out a lot here. So, and it's always it's always fun having you on, man. Yep, I love being here. Um, also, I'm not sure what's going to happen going forward. Uh, we're going to return with a month, an entire month of Nightmare on Elm Street. So we're taking a break for April. Uh, we will be back in May for our anniversary month. Instead of doing our normal month of like, hey, we're going to have people vote on some, we're going to pick some, we're just going to do an entire month of Nightmare on Elm Street to catch up. Because a lot of people have asked why we haven't covered more Nightmare on Elm Street movies. We've only done the first one. So we are going to do Nightmare 2, 3, 4, and 5. So we're going to catch up on the series really freaking quick. Uh, there might be some changes coming to the show going forward after that. Um, but we will definitely, that is, we are, uh, that's already set. We're definitely doing the Nightmare Month. Um, beyond that, we'll keep you posted on what's going on. But uh, so, yeah, I think with with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.